What's up, dudes? It's Vigorous Q&A again. Welcome to the second weekend, or is this the third weekend of December already? Third weekend already, man. We got uh, two left, and then uh, and then we're going into 2024. Okay, a couple announcements. Um, I decided to, uh, at the end of the year, I'm going to let go of the Patreon memberships and just solely focus on the YouTube memberships. One single membership option, the private Vigorous Q&A option, which is currently known as the Vigorous Inquisitor level. Basically, the level where you get to ask uh, unlimited questions. Uh, but I feel that it's the overlap between Patreon and YouTube is a little bit cumbersome because I can't see who the members are uh, on Patreon when they join the public vigorous Q&A later on. And I can see uh, YouTube members in StreamYard. The problem is uh, the large majority of the YouTube members are actually uh, vigorous supporters, vigor vigorous contributors, and they pay $1 versus the $10 option. Uh, when in reality, these uh, live streams are mostly meant for the people who are willing to pay $10. So that's how I can preferentially answer those questions. So the vigorous contributor level is uh, going to go bye-bye after this uh, a live stream airs basically uh, tomorrow, right? So everybody that's joining in today can still get their questions in. But then from next week onwards, um, you can only join the uh, private Vickers Q&A level, $10. So you can ask unlimited questions, right? We have a community post, which I'm going to post every Sunday. So you can uh, ask your questions there in case you can't make it to the live stream. I'll answer those first at the start of the live stream. And then at the end of this year, I'm going to let go of the Patreon um, you know, option. So I have everybody here that's willing to contribute and be a part of the Vickers Q&A privately for an hour. Um, move them over there. So if everybody moves, uh, that would be a bonus, but I don't think that everybody's going to move. I think a, a small portion is going to move. So we're probably going to lose a little bit of members, but that's okay. And uh, time will tell if it's going to work. It, I think it's just a little bit easier to manage. And I think with the added bonus of having everybody here over on YouTube, I can clearly see who's a paying member for the Vigorous Q&A. And then maybe the first hour I can do uh, public, but only for members to ask questions. So it will be an hour live stream anyway, so people can kind of join in as the live stream is taking place, but only the members can join. And then later on, I can, uh, you know, change that in the YouTube, um, uh, what is it, uh, video description or vi uh, video setting from uh, members to go public and then everybody else can ask questions, right? So that's probably the way to go forward. Uh, no videos this week because my editor has been working on the anabolic to androgenic rating debunking video, which was 56 minutes. I know. Way too long. My sincere apologies, but you guys are going to like it, or at least the guys that like uh, deep dives. If you like really hardcore content and, uh, you know, scientific evidence and, and you know, debunking the scientific evidence and all the uh, books that have been published using the anabolic to androgenic ratings, uh, that will be dropping next week, probably on Tuesday, because we still have some modifications to do. And based on uh, last week and the weeks before, you guys have asked me a lot about this uh, folistatin gene therapy, the ACE031 and ACE083. Uh, so guess what? I did a deep dive for that also, 25 minutes, reviewing all of the scientific literature for you guys you know what to expect uh, i just hope you have a big fat wallet because either of these peptides is mad expensive but it will still be a fun video to watch and then uh of course uh, how to use SARM safely that's already recorded again my video editor has been very very busy and a couple other videos uh basically breaking it down for uh you know a little bit easier content that i already recorded i just want to redo that in a better uh, format right because uh, i look a little bit different than i did before and i've learned a couple things along the way so you'll see maybe some familiar content albeit in an updated uh video 
and uh i decided to shelf this membership idea and feel free to fill uh contribute in the comment section because you know with 100,000 subscribers and based on the amount of youtube members and patreon members that i had so far i don't think after doing some market research on the other membership websites after doing some market research and, and giving it a good thought i think it's going to take two years to build out that membership section uh, i already started preparing for it but I think after two years, the demand is not going to be so high, just purely judging on market analysis, how many members we have so far and how well those deep dive videos are doing now. So it basically would be a membership section where I interpret the scientific evidence. Uh, we have enough of that already, but it would detract severely <laughs> the amount of time that I need to spend on that membership section would severely detract from the opportunity to grow this YouTube channel further. So when you run the numbers, Right. Let's say you spend twenty dollars on a membership section, and YouTube takes a thirty percent commission out of that. So, if you still want to do it, uh, uh, prove it down below in the comment section. I am willing to pay twenty dollars for uh, twenty dollars per month for the membership section. And let's see how many comments like that we get. After a week, I can easily tally those up. <clears throat> oh, I'm losing my voice already. Shit. Uh, I can easily tally those up. I, I would expect to have about two thousand members, which is probably already a way too high of an estimate. And then based on this two-year trajectory of all the research that I need to do and basically spend two years on PubMed and uh, taking time away that I could spend on actually growing this YouTube channel, uh, I think financially and time investment-wise, it would be better to grow this YouTube channel to, I don't know, let's say 250,000 uh, subscribers instead of at this current rate and maybe less of a rate, 115,000 subscribers for a little bit extra monetary income, which I can probably uh, 4X, 5X if I just grow this YouTube channel. So uh, we're going to shelve it for now. I don't think it's uh, really worth the time uh, compared to all the other things I can spend my time on and give you guys free content. So all the stuff that I'm already was preparing for, uh, we're just going to make free videos out of that, uh, and which will be good as well. Okay, uh, uh, those are the updates. Let's get started with the questions. Let's see, man, this pimple is uh, brutal. <laughs> a souvenir from Cheesecake Factory. A social justice warrior asks, uh, hey, sir, I'm gonna, uh, might miss this one. Uh, so he's missing the live stream. Um, let's see, uh, going to try uh, trend suspension for a few days just to work out how bad uh, trend doesn't agree with me. Any tips? Jesus Christ, use some punctuation, please. The temptations are too great. So uh was going to go for half an amp a day so 25 to 50 milligrams honestly dude um the post injection pain of trend suspension is uh, pretty brutal or at least the trend suspension that i've used in the past um very big infl uh, inflammation at the site of injection and this is water-based trend suspension uh, allegedly double micronized but you never really know right i mean trend suspension is underground lab product after all so i would do maybe one shot sub subcutaneously 25 milligrams to assess the amount of pulse injection pain, swelling, redness, uh, you know, that might take a couple of days to dissipate, right? And if you get any other adverse reactions at the injection site, I would do that first, do one subcutaneous injection first before on an arm day or chest day or whatever your favorite body part is, you kind of feel what the difference is between no train and trend suspension. After that, you might want to go intramuscularly, but I would only do it twice per week because I've used trend suspension every single day, even 50 milligrams or 25 milligrams for, I think, a couple of days in duration. After that, I threw in a towel. Besides the post-injection pain, the trend anger, 
uh, is still going to be there, right? The trend coughs might be severe, right? Way worse than this uh, trimbolone acetate or trimbolone inotate or uh, parabolin hexahydrobenzocarbonate esters. So I don't know. I, I, if you want to run trend, just run a low dose, I don't know, 10 milligrams, 25 milligrams at maximum trimbolone acetate subcutaneously. And then trimbolone suspension, um, I think you can get a similar effect from taking anadrol pre-workout sublingually, right? You get a, a super phenomenal super pump. And, um, you know, it, of course, you get a little bit of liver stress because it's a 17-alpha alkylated uh, oral steroid you take sublingually. So the bioavailability is a little bit higher, right? You get more uh, or less of a, a metabolism in the intestinal tract and in the liver because it, it bypasses the first pass of, of metabolism. I would go rather with that because you don't get these terrible side effects. So if you stick with 70 milligrams trim uh, per week and you do maybe 25 to 50 milligrams anadrol a couple times per week on your lagging body parts, I think that's better. I think that's better besides the potential for gynecomastia, obviously, because trend is a progesterone 19 or it can activate the progesterone receptor and elevate prolactin levels. And, uh, you know, there might be something to say for anadrol potentially uh, activating the estrogen receptor, even though the scientific evidence is uh, far from compelling, I would say. Uh, so anadrol and trend together might be a recipe for gynecomastia, but I would rather do that than trembolone suspension. Yeah, yeah, that's that's would be my recommendation. Otherwise, you take Anivar instead of the anadrol and you get a pretty good pump from that as well let's see where are we uh, my bad darius asks are athletes more likely to get food poisoning in season due to stress uh yeah but it's it's uh, food poisoning is usually um you know an excuse for uh, using too much diuretics <laughs> And then not being able to digest your foods right so oh, i ate some bad fish no no no. you took too many diuretics you, shut the fuck up you took too many diuretics we all know what's going on you're puking your digestive douches are not working your intestinal tract is uh non-functioning because you pulled so much water right uh food poisoning on uh, around the week of the competition that's not food poisoning it's just uh, saying uh, it's a code code word for i used uh, too much lasix or whatever else uh, that they're using nowadays so uh you can get food poisoning anywhere anytime of course in season your uh, immune system is a little bit lowered because you know caloric depletion for a long time increased energy expenditure in the form of cardio and, and not missing workouts right you don't want to deload when you're in season because otherwise you feel like you're not going to be in the show or not show show up shredded um and and of course the androgenic load is way higher which has a suppressive effect on your total white blood cell count, right? Instead of having a total white blood cell count of, let's say, 5,000, 6,000 um, cells per cubic millimeter, you have maybe 3,500 or 4,000, right? Which is below the reference range. So I, I feel that most athletes during contest prep are kind of immuno-compared uh, <laughs> or impaired, I would say. And it doesn't matter how many tufts in uh, <laughs> analogs you take. I don't think your immune system immune system is going to get any better or how much primo you take, right? I don't think your immune system is going to get any better. Um, and then, of course, if you do get void poisoning because you put everything in the Tupperware, you bring that with you, and then, uh, you know, you didn't microwave your chicken or your beef or whatever else you're eating before, uh, before you eat it. So you eat old uh, food that might be a little bit tainted. Okay, you get food poisoning. But most most of the time, these guys says they have food poisoning. It's a code for overusing diuretics. Yeah. That being said, you know, some of these guys get food poisoning and they recover from it in one or two days. They step on stage, shred it, shred it. And uh, yeah, I remember uh, experiencing the same thing when I was dieting and I uh, got salmonella poisoning from eating raw chicken. 
shame on me uh, I shred it I just couldn't stand and take pictures <laughs> I guess I was so depleted dehydrated mostly dehydrated all right let's see John Prather asks any idea how long after stopping trimaline acetate before it's no longer going to affect a non-sensitive estradiol test all right so the half-life right, you can basically do the half-life times five so let's say the half-life five days times five is 25 then you would assume that most of the trimaline acetate has been metabolized and then uh, trimaline metabolites are obviously still present but I'm not sure if the trimaline metabolites detect as estradiol or progesterone for that matter on a non-sensitive tests so um you know if you have blood work uh you know you can do out of your ass why don't you check it every week right you keep your testosterone the same the same you keep your aromasan dose the same everything else is the same but uh, you take the train out and every week you kind of assess uh, if there's a negative effect or declining effect on your serum estradiol and progesterone levels right and if that's not the case then none of the train was actually detecting as estradiol all right here we go oh Ahmed asks, I watched your last Q&A about oral steroids uh, can, getting, get, getting into the semen that the wife can absorb it uh, vaginally. To what extent can that happen and what about injectables? Okay, so if you go to PubMed, and I was doing research on uh, Austrian and stuff and uh, some other uh, SARMs, and they actually use semen as a doping test. So we're going to look uh, semen and doping on PubMed. All right, okay. So let me just uh, put this result here in the comment section for now. And then when I start adding in the um, the details later on, I'll uh, review some of these studies and uh, cite you properly. But here's a couple studies in the meantime. You can uh, give a read if my YouTube is loading. YouTube, don't disappoint me. There we go. All right, so give this one a search. And there you'll probably find some studies where, um, you know, semen uh, samples are used, uh, you know, to determine if there's particular metabolites in the semen. Now, these are trace, 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 trace amounts. And I'm not sure how much of the um, compound that you're shooting into your girlfriend's vagina <laughs> is being absorbed transdermally. So I think the concentration of, uh, you know, steroids or steroid metabolites in the semen is already low and of course there will be a lower concentration of that because uh, eventually semen will kind of run out of the vagina and unless you do those uh, transvaginal uh inserts lozenges <laughs> i don't think i don't think it's called lozenges uh but whatever they use transvaginally to uh, absorb pregnenolone or other um you know hormones uh those have quite high concentration certainly a lot higher concentration compared to whatever you could shoot into her in the form of semen that uh, usually goes out within what the liquefaction times 30 minutes um it's conception time so usually my wife uh, yeah needs to clean up after 20 or 30 minutes yeah that's when the the stuff runs out so how much can you absorb in those 20 30 minutes of the little amount that you're uh, putting in there i think it's uh, negligible uh, that will be the same case for oral steroids injectables sarms recreational drugs whatever can end up in the semen through the seminal seminal vesicles of the prostate uh whatever little trace amount of whatever you're taking uh, can end up there and then uh, a smaller amount of that will might be transvaginally absorbed yeah so be careful 
Ahmed asks, uh, on low oil volume cycle for injections, which cycle is better? 170 milligrams testosterone and 75 milligrams trembolone acetate or 250 milligrams testosterone and 300 milligrams EQ, so maximum two cc's per week. All right, so we're comparing 100, 240 milligrams versus 550 milligrams. Ooh. I would say the EQ one, yeah, 550 milligrams in total, 250 tests and 300 milligrams EQ. Um, but but why? why? So Tremblon acetate is 1cc, right? Tremblon acetate is 1cc, but that's also 1cc, so you can't take that off. How can we, can we take, all right, we're going to do some quick calculations. So 200 milligrams test e i like uh, these are like thought experiments eq uh let's there's not so many people in the chat so my why the fuck not right so that's 0 0.8 ml 0 0.8 ml uh eq is uh 100 uh, divided by 300 times 250 is uh, let's say 8 ml also now we have 0.4 ml. So that, let's say we go with a terminal acetate of 100 milligrams per one milliliter. We can do a 40 milligrams trimbalone acetate. 40 let's take the EQ down, dude. Let's take the EQ down with one CC. <laughs> or 0 0.1 CC. 210, 210 EQ, 101 ratio with uh, testosterone, so your estradiol is uh, good. Okay, <laughs> 0 0.5 ml, and the total would be this kind of shit, this kind of stuff I like. I got two mils per week to inject. How much How much steroids can I, I couldn't even do a video topic on this, right? <laughs> I can only inject, let me know down below. This, I think this is a great video topic. Let me know down below if you want to see a video. I got one mil to play with per week. What is the best steroid cycle? I got two mils to play with. What is the best steroid cycle? I got three mils, four mils, 20 mils, 100, well, not 100, but I think 21 mils, three milliliters per day, right? Uh, an, an ideal steroid cycle for each milliliter, right? So we go one, two, three, four, five, uh, seven, 10, 15, and 21. Yeah, or 14 and then 21, right? Let me know down below if you want to see it. Uh, I think it will do great. Plus, I like these kinds of uh, thoughts experiments. Okay, so that's uh, 200 plus uh, 210 plus 50 is, uh, I think this, I think you get the most bang for your buck from this cycle. 2 ml. Okay. Ahmed. This is the way to go. 200 milligrams test E, right? 250 milligrams for one milliliter. Uh, oh, great. It doesn't really show up properly. Oh. Can I edit this? No, I can't. Okay. Well, yeah, I just have to imagine spaces in between it, right? 0 0.8 milliliters uh, gives you 200 milligrams testosterone inotate. Then EQ, 300 milligrams for one milliliter. 0 0.7 ml gives you 210 milligrams EQ. And then 100 milligrams per one milliliter trembolone acetate. Half a, give, half a milliliter gives you 50 milligrams. So if you put all of that together, 
Uh, that's uh, two milliliters for a total of 460 milligrams total to, uh, steroids per week. I think this will give you the most gains for two milliliters. Yeah. Of course, you can do two milliliters of uh, Trimbalone only, 200 milligrams per week. But, I mean, you still need a testosterone base. Right? And you don't want to lose your mind. Because combining EQ with Trin or just running 200 milligrams of Trin solo, or yeah, you can get away with 150, 125 maybe on the test. Man, how would that look? 125 milligrams test E, 0.5 ml, 150 milligrams Trin. Ace uh, 1.5 ml. There's nobody here anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Sorry, Thomas. I'll get to your questions. <laughs> uh, all right, let me format this properly so it looks good on screen. Okay. How does this look? 125 milligrams testosterone inotide, half a mil, 150 milligrams trimalone acetate, 1.5 mils, a total of 275 milligrams total uh, steroids, 2 ml. So it's this, 275 milligrams of a large portion of, uh, of that being trimalone, right? Three times as high as this cycle, uh, but I would still like this cycle more. Yeah, you get a little bit of synergy, a little bit of red blood cell production from the EQ, which would offset the negative effects of uh, trimalone acetate on your uh, endurance. Um, again, let me know down below. I can uh, do a deep dive on this all by, uh, you know, uh, if you guys want to see it, just uh, hit those comments. Ahmed also asks, any difference between boldenone and distillinate and boldenone cypionate except for the half-life? Well, one gives you terrible post-injection pain and the other one does not. Uh, and of course, a boldenone and distillinate is usually at 300 milligrams per one milliliter and boldenone cypionate, I think at 100 milligrams per one milliliter, but I could be mistaken, right? Everybody that I talk to says that boldenone cypionate or dihydroboldenone cypionate is uh, painful as shit. So most of the time, the concentrations are not as high as boldenone and distillinate, but I haven't really looked into it in a while. So let's uh, put that to the test. Boldenone, Scipionate. Well, let's see what Google says. Now, Google doesn't give any sources anymore, right? Uh, ah, I don't want to go to uh, the, the, the review websites. Give people free plugs. Anyway, don't do it. Just run a Boldenone on this night. That's the most studied in animal models, and that's the most commonly used, where people don't complain about post-injection pain. And with Boldenone Scipionate, or Dihydroboldenone Scipionate, uh, uh, painful as fuck. Yeah. But the saucer and smooth as butter. So if you want to use uh, a test sip and a, a bolt undesilinate, uh, go right ahead. I don't think you can get any post-injection pain from that combination. Ahmed Klaff also asked, can massage guns replace the deep tissue massage therapy? Uh, no, they cannot. Not by a long shot. It doesn't matter how forceful and strong and how much, how pointy the tip of the massage gun is. It can never ever replace a qualified uh, deep tissue massage therapist who does this for a living but it's better than nothing right if you don't have uh 50 to 100 dollars uh, to spend on deep tissue massage therapy every single week uh, then a massage gun for 300 uh, gives you uh two years three years of uh, better than nothing results all right so and maybe you can use the massage gun you know of course you can use it every day all right so you can use the massage gun every single day in complement of the deep tissue massage therapists or 
you work through as much uh, scar tissue and adhesions and uh, you know problematic areas with the best uh, deep tissue massage uh, therapy gun you can find and then for the remainder of what you need to work through you hire a deep tissue massage therapist so you break um you know you 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 don't spend so much money right because the deep tissue massage therapist i mean they're not cheap they're not cheap i spent thousands on deep tissue massage therapy yeah and i wouldn't have gotten the results regarding my mobility scar tissue removal and all of the little adhesions that i had with a massage gun not not in 100 years no no but it's still better than nothing all right last one from ahmed uh what is your favorite gorilla respawn uh, or new smooth um i like the respawn yeah i like the acetyl l-carnitine and smooth it's uh i think i'm the one who told derek to put it in there because it just makes sense right acetyl l-carnitine is good for cognition especially for uh you know uh, people who are in a ketogenic diet uh, right but uh i i think i produce enough uh, acetyl uh anything for acetylcholine um and so my acetylcarnitine levels are elevated because i take injectable carnitine every single day which gives me a slight nootropic boost uh but of course you can't sell injectable l-carnitine through a over-the-counter supplement website so i told him put the acetyl l-carnitine into the smooth i'm happy that he did that um and i think if he adds that into the gorilla mount respawn it would be an even better formula but considering the ingredients of gorilla respawn are just better right uridine 5 monophosphate is in there um you know smooth has a little bit more alpha gpc but i mean it, it, you could take both you could take gorilla mind respawn before cognitive tasks and then as you feel that your uh, attention span starts to decline you add in a little bit of smooth to keep you going right or vice versa when you add in the smooth in the morning with a cup of coffee because caffeine is life and then later on instead of having a cup of coffee you have a gorilla mode respawn or a gorilla mind energy drink and then uh, you go ham on all the work that you need to do. I mean, I had a scoop of respawn before every vigorous Q&A. Bet your ass that I take it. Yeah, I don't take smooth before the vigorous Q&A. I take a respawn. Maybe next week I should take some smooth. Let's see. Let's see if I'm uh, a little bit more cognitive next week. Yeah, so please remind me. <laughs> I'll probably forget. For all the members, please remind me. Uh, Aaron Pollock asks, hello, coach. Would taking 100 milligrams masterone with 250 milligrams testosterone be a good alternative to taking AIs? Any benefits or negatives? Um, I don't think that AIs have any negatives, right? If you do the research on aromatized inhibitors, of course, uh, Arimidex has a negative that it raises your cholesterol uh, levels because it inhibits cholesterol metabolism. Um, so you get uh, higher total cholesterol levels and thus your LDL goes uh, up because you need more cholesterol transport. Besides that, if you manage your serum estradiol levels, right? I, again, I made a video about, you know, let me just link it down below because I know you guys are not going to search. Um, where are we? Let me look for it. Aromatas. I should redo this video also because I look like yeah, aromatized inhibitors are the devil. Jesus Christ. That was before I had a good editor to make me look handsome. <laughs> All right, I linked it down below. Uh, I don't think that aromatized inhibitors are devil uh, unless you overdo them, right? If you overdo them, you crush your serum estradiol levels chronically, then you get the same postmenopausal effects. And keep in mind that all of the research or the large majority of the uh, research performed on aromatized inhibitors, letrozole, arimidex, 
aromacin have been performed on postmenopausal women who have already low serum estradiol levels. And these postmenopausal women have estrogen positive breast cancer. So they crush already low estrogen even more with an aromatized inhibitor because they don't, you know, since the ovaries don't really produce direct estrogen anymore, uh, but you still get a conversion downstream into estrogen from the neurosteroids and the testosterone that they produce. So they crush the estrogen levels with aromacin. So that's mega dosages of uh, aromacin, letrozole or arimidex. And well, it's, it's off the screen. You see my hand like right here underneath. It's like off the fucking screen, low estradiol levels. Now, what can you do to offset that and not get into any of the side effects that are commonly associated with aromatized inhibitors? You keep the dose low here, right? Light on the, the man. here. And you keep your estradiol here at the top of the reference range, which I always tell you guys, keep your estradiol at the top of the reference range. And if your testosterone levels are over the reference range, feel free to increase your estrogen levels also, right? It's not rocket science, guys. So um, whatever you feel is the most beneficial way to control your uh, serum estrogen levels, go for it. If that's an aromatized inhibitor, that's fine. Just do your blood work before, during, after. Go to Merrick Health if you're, in, if you're in the United States. Do your blood work there. I offer 10% discount on all the lab panels. You don't have to do my mega comprehensive lab panel or the budget panel. You can just tack estrogen, lipids, done. Right? Estrogen, lipids, SHBG, done. Right? You get 10% discount code Vigorous. I mean, it, it, you'll save some money that way, right? You can do that over and over and over and over again uh, to run that experiment. Because with Mastrone, you get other side effects, right? I mean, uh, it, it modulates the renin, angiotensin, aldosterone system to a certain extent, so now you pee more. It might cause hair loss, right? It might cause acne. So, uh, because it's a DHC derivative. So if you add 100 milligrams of Mastrone to 250 milligrams of test, and you get acne, hair loss, and, and, and you know, increased urination, which I, it's probably a little bit exaggerated, but, right? I mean, even 100 milligrams per week can uh, tip the needle from one way to the other. And you don't get any of the, those effects with an aromatized inhibitor, um, then I would go with an aromatized inhibitor, right? And then, of course, you can say, well, an aromatized inhibitor would uh, inhibit the conversion of testosterone in the estrogen, uh, in the conversion of testosterone into estradiol in the brain or in the uh, endothelial or, you know, peripheral tissue or wherever else where estrogen is protective and beneficial. Yes, that's true. But menstrual would do the exact same thing. <laughs> Masterone does the exact same thing, right? Structurally, it can easily enter the aromatized enzyme and prevent the conversion of testosterone into estradiol in the brain, in the endothelium, in the peripheral tissue. So it would act in the exact same way, uh, albeit that there's not so much scientific evidence on it because Masterone has been discontinued and aromacin, arimidex, letrozole, still being used in the cases of breast cancer, still being used in the cases of hormone replacement therapy for men, still being used, um, I think there's a couple other medical applications that are eluding me. Uh, so the, the scientific literature that you can research is far more extensive, right? Uh, Masterone, it's, I mean, if you go to PubMed now, PubMed, Masterone, Last study is from, oh, there was one from 2023. But it's literally, dude, there's four results on Mastron. All right, Drostanolone. All right, 60 results. Dromostanolone. 30. So there's less than 100 studies, dude, 
unmasterone, right? Aroma sing. 1,700 results. 1,700 results of just aromacin, right? And I didn't even search for eczemestine, eczemestine. 1,700 results also. So, of course, some of those are going to overlap, uh, but it's at least 1,700 results versus 100 results in total, which might overlap, so you might have, like, 75 results. Pick and choose, dude. But if you're a bodybuilder, of course, you're going to go with Mastrone or Pre... <laughs> If you're a bodybuilder, you're going to go with Mastrone or Primo uh, because at least for that 100 milligrams of uh, extra anabolic steroids, you get 100 milligrams worth of extra gains, which you don't get with an aromatized inhibitor. <laughs> All right. Do you think you lose out on muscle maturity if you're only using test? If so, is it significant? All right, here we go again. Right? Did you guys remember that um, Trimbalone short that I did with Nal Niga, where I mentioned that Trimbalone gives you muscle maturity and it Niall Niga took a snippet of one minute. So on the podcast, you see everybody has a positive response, right? The comment section, very, very positive. And then you go to the shorts and all the bodybuilders that think they know, but they don't really know, uh, they lose their shit. <laughs> so to clarify on the subject of muscle maturity, muscle maturity is a look, right? Which you can enhance with a trimbalone faster, right? So if you take a good amount of train, you look, uh, the muscle looks more, um, looks closer to muscle maturity uh, than without it, which uh, obviously muscle maturity takes years, decades to acquire, right? So I'm finally coming into my own physique of muscle maturity uh, at 40 years old. After training for 25 years, uh, you know, on steroids for let's say 12, 13, 14 years out of that time, well, I think 12, I took breaks. Um, so now I have real muscle maturity, but when I ran Trembolone, the thickness and the hardness and the density, which would, uh, you know, uh, simulate muscle maturity, was there, right? If I look at my pictures from then, eight years ago, actually, it's quite similar to the muscle tissue I have now. But now I'm off cycle, and back then I was on cycle, right? So with time, the muscle maturity actually solidified and developed. Of course, the bodybuilders that are complaining are not going to watch this vigorous Q&A. That's too bad. That's too bad. All right, uh, so what do I think? If I lose out on muscle maturity, if I'm only using tests. So as I just explained, Trimbalone or DHT derivatives can simulate muscle maturity that isn't really there. That's why it's so popular, especially with beginner competitors, because their physiques look more impressive than they actually are, right? When you take the steroids away, the muscle maturity, the simulatory effect, gone. If you use tests and you train for 25 years, if you just use tests only, um, I know plenty of guys who've used tests only experimented a little bit with train master on primo, etc. This don't really like it. They feel good on tests, 500 tests, 750 tests, a thousand milligrams of tests. That's where they draw the line. Great muscle maturity, but they've been training for 25 years, right? They might've taken some growth hormone, but testosterone is the basic steroid that they've been taking. Um, so I think with time you can develop great muscle maturity, um, but this really hard, dense, nasty, freaky, insane look. You'll probably need some trend and you probably need some DHC derivatives in the form of Winstrol or Halotestin or Anivar um, or, or pretty high dosages of Mastrone, right? So, and again, muscle maturity really shines when you're shredded. Yeah, muscle maturity really shines with your shredded. So, um, I mean, I'm not shredded, right? I'm not shredded, but I think, I think it's pretty good. Look at this. For somebody who doesn't take steroids for close to a year, I think this is a pretty good chest. <laughs> Not bad. All right, so muscle maturity is just something that takes time, but you can simulate muscle maturity with um, high dosages of steroids. 
and particularly train and master on and halo testing, which will make you hard as a rock. Thomas, what's your opinion on hit cardio in the off season? For example, 10 uh, minutes high speed on the treadmill. Is it suitable as daily fasted cardio? And why is it so hot today? I'm going to put this thing down a bit. I'm sweating my fucking ass off. Hopefully the crisp can uh, pick up, you know, and, and compensate for the fan. Let me, guys, let me know if the audio sounds worse now or better because I got fans blowing and all. So it sounds like, it feels like I'm on train. I know it's been fucking hot the last week in Thailand. Anyway, Thomas, uh, what is your, what is my opinion on hit cardio in the off season? 10 minutes high speed on the treadmill is it suitable for daily facet cardio. I'm not against hit. Yeah. It, it just, the problem is if you have weak legs, uh, if you do hit cardio, maybe two times, three times a week, um, you know, even in the off season, it might diminish the recovery capability of your legs. So the reason why I don't do hit cardio and only would recommend it to my clients that have phenomenal legs and their legs don't really go away, um, is, uh, you know, in that context. So hit is great. And right? of course the, um, the increased fat burning that you get post hit session, right? the, uh, what is it? The, the, the. Um, the, the respiration and all that benefit in your metabolic rate and increased fat loss throughout the day very 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 beneficial but if you have weak legs even in a caloric surplus and even if you take essential amino acids and maybe some insulin pre-workout right all the anabolic aids to prevent catabolism um you'll still inhibit recovery capability which is what you need whether that's your off season or a cutting phase especially in the cutting phase it doesn't matter how much steroids you take and how nutritious your food is uh, you just dig the hole into your recovery. And and if you have weak legs, that's not what you should be doing. So personally, I would rather train legs two times per week than add in two sessions of hit cardio. So that's what I do. My leg sessions are quite intense. I take maybe 30 seconds to one minute rest, which is very similar to what you would do on hit cardio. And then I stick within the six to 12 rep range, uh, continuous motion, no resting, right? Uh, not like these guys that follow progressive overload to do one rep. They kind of look around and look at their training partner. You know, do I got this, bro? And he's like, a positive affirmation, do another rep. And it's boring. It's slow. It's not intense, right? Lower the weights, do all those 12 reps in concession. Then we'll talk. So if you train like that and you walk in between sets, that's what I do. I think that's hit cardio too, man. It's hit cardio too. I mean, I, I do a lap in the gym. I do another set. Right? I do a lap in the gym. I do another set. And it's 30 to 60 seconds in between um set and and my I, I i still train like a fucking maniac even though i shouldn't i just don't go to failure anymore so i think you can do hit cardio in the gym and if you want to hit your legs twice a week right you go hard on quads one uh, time and you go hard on hamstrings and glutes and adductors one time and you do a little bit of overlap accessory work right so you get the quads again and the hamstrings again get some uh, essential amino acids and uh, pre-workout and all that good stuff around that time. And then I think your legs will be better than hitting the hit cardio in the morning for fat loss or in the off season, um, which I think if you can do like, you know, if you can do like, I don't know, 20 minutes, somewhat high into medium intensity, I think that's in enough to increase your oxygen carry capacity and, and your oxygen absorption through the lungs and train your cardiovascular system to have that much of a stamina during leg day. I mean, I do daily fasted cardio 30 minutes every day, quite high intensity. It's not high, inten high, high intensity to the point I'm out of breath for 10 minutes, but it's medium intensity. Heart rate is about 135 to 140, I would say. A little bit out of breath, right? You could call it zone two, 
Uh, if I don't do that, my leg days are going to suffer. But if I keep doing that at not higher in intensity than I am doing right now, then uh, my recovery is good, right? But my leg days are still intense. But my legs still suck. Yeah, so don't take my advice. And I just need to... Yeah, it's not uh, it's not making a difference. Okay. Um, I seem to be sensitive to androgenic compounds. Going over 60 milligrams per week, TRT hurts my sleep, regardless of how I split this up. Is this just genetic? Do you recommend I use more anabolic compounds to lower androgenicity? If so, what do you think is best? Okay, so an anabolic uh, effect and androgenic effect. Uh, next week, I will debunk all of it. It's all a bunch of horseshit. <laughs> it's all a bunch of horseshit, Jane. Jake, 56 minutes, watch it to the end. You'll you'll understand completely why. It's probably one of my best works. Very in-depth. Um, of course, it's going to be lengthy, so you'll you need to you know sit there with a cup of coffee and a pen and paper to take notes. Uh, but it will be a, a very clarification on why the anabolic and androgenic effects and the rating system. Horseshit. Um, so in your case, right? didn't I make a video about insomnia? Didn't I do that? Insomnia. I did. Steve made a video about testosterone on insomnia. Why can't I sleep on testosterone? Where is it? I'll link it down below. Uh, this is like every figure's Q&A. You ask questions, I'll link you to a video. Jeez, I was swole. <laughs> Jesus. Where are we? All right, here. All right, it's linked. So basically, long story short, 60 milligrams testosterone uh, TRT, split up the dose. Right? So that's, what is it, 8 milligrams sub-Q daily in the morning. Don't take coffee too late because there's a positive correlation between caffeine intake and testosterone, making you more sensitive to caffeine. Um, don't take any stimulants, right? I mean, testosterone metabolism uh, or testosterone affects metabolism of some stimulants. So keep that in mind. And if you take modafinil, all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, it's an androgenic effect. And if you start, or it's a, it's a stimulatory effect from testosterone. So if you inject that sub-Q every single day in the morning, first thing in the morning, all these stimulatory effects have been dissipated by the end of the day. And then it's up to you not to go uh, balls to the wall in the gym uh, giving yourself a fight or flight state. I mean, if that's the case, take some propanolol and shut the fuck up, right? You get out of the fight or flight state, you block the effects of adrenaline in the heart and the central nervous system. So there's multitude of ways around it. But um, yeah, you know, I would just watch that video and, and come to some ideas there. Because, you know, it could be multifactorial, but I'm not exactly sure what else you're doing. And uh, that video will uh, clarify a lot of things for you. I'm sure of it. A few different TRT girls have said something along the lines of serum estradiol levels don't really matter because it has to do with how the cell are using it or something like that. Uh, sounds like bullshit to me. <laughs> uh, what do you think? It seems to me serum estradiol levels obviously matter, even if it's not the whole picture. Yeah, a lot of these TRT gurus say that the serum testosterone levels don't matter and serum uh, estradiol levels don't matter. Uh, and then at one point, uh, all their clients have libido issues and hair loss issues gynecomastia issues i mean serum estradiol serum testosterone serum dihydro testosterone and everything else in your bloodstream matters um but it's not the sole uh end all uh, number on paper that you should make decisions with right so before you go in for blood work whatever problem you have describe it speculate write down a hypothesis 
I say, I speculate my libido to be bad because my estrogen is high or low, right? Or maybe DHT is low or my estradiol, uh, my testosterone is high, my SHBG is low, right? Speculate, then confirm it with blood work. It's very likely that your hypothesis is incorrect, right? Your serum estradiol levels are totally fine. Your testosterone levels are totally fine. Your dihydrate testosterone levels are totally fine. Your SHBG levels, totally fine. Okay. Then there's a bottle lot of other things you can investigate and explore, which I discussed in libido visuals, right? Libido vi videos, right? I mean, just using libido as an example. So, um, I mean, if serum estradiol levels don't matter, uh, they probably have a discount code for gynecomastia surgery in, uh, in their description section, because you'll see with most men, as soon as their serum estradiol levels get over 60, 65, 75, most men would start to experience uh, symptoms, swelling, itching, puffy nipples, symptoms of gynecomastia. So I think it's very important to keep track of serum estradiol levels. I think it's very important to keep track of all of your blood work parameters. And then based on how you feel and the blood and the numbers on paper, right, you make further adjustments. So if you feel great, but your nipples are puffy, I mean, do you really feel that good that it's worth getting gyno over, right? And of course, high serum estradiol, high dihydrate testosterone levels, high testosterone levels, high inflammation. I mean, it's not good for your prostate either, you know, and it, it might not matter in the beginning, but if you do that for a decade, your PSA levels will certainly be over the recommended range and your doctor will write you a biopsy in 16 quadrants. And that's fucking nasty. Imagine getting 16 needles in 16 quadrants uh, stuck into your prostate, right? So prevention is the best cure here. Uh, keep track of everything. Right? And a lot of these uh, TRT gurus that are just, I think they're just fucking trying to make you miserable so that I can do consultations with you, which is not what I'm about here. I'm trying to keep you healthy. And then if you fucked yourself up by listening to these guys, then I can help. And I'll unfuck you. Trust me. I'll unfuck all of you guys that fucked yourself by listening to these TRT gurus who um, in many cases just look like ass also. I mean, they don't look even look healthy. So why the fuck would you listen to these guys, you know? Um, plus there, I mean, I mean, how much of a badass are you if you're on TRT, you can't even come off, you know, come off TRT. Let's see how you do. Are you still working? You still making money? You still by fucking your wife? I am. <laughs> I am. I don't mind HCG. It's not TRT, but I'm still grinding. So ask these TRT gurus, uh, you know, bet them like a thousand dollars if they're willing to do it. They probably can't because they're addicted. Right? And I get it if you need it for medical purposes, and I get it if you're depressed without TRT, but many of the guys on TRT don't need TRT. Right? They're just lazy. They're using it as a crutch. Um, you talk a lot about adding some extra things that don't aid in anabolism, but aid in energy and more. If you're on full HRT, what would you add for reasons like that? First, I would add in dots so I can read it easier. And secondly... Uh, <laughs> I would watch the mitochondrial support stack. God damn it. Mitochondrial support stack. Fuck that. It's a good video also. I should redo it because the editing. This is a problem, right? When you finally settling a settle on an editing style and you're very happy with the quality, the audio quality and that kind of stuff. Then you look at your old videos and you're disgusted. So now I feel like redoing them all. <laughs> all right. Uh, so I would look into uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide. I would look into NAD plus administrations uh, intravenously. 
uh, or intramuscularly, but or subcutaneously, not intramuscularly. Um, but I would prefer IV, right? That's kind of expensive. Uh, nicotinamide mononucleotide or nicotinamide riboside, those are good places to start. Uh, you start maybe 500 milligrams and it builds your way up to 1,000 milligrams per day. For energy levels, yeah, and, and of course, if you upregulate all the enzymatic reactions in your body, right? Uh, NAD plus is the electron donor for the, elect, uh, the enzymatic reactions, which I mentioned in the video about uh, sterogenesis. Sterogenesis. The real reason why you don't feel good. Is that the one? Yeah, the real reason why you feel horrible using medications. Stero sterogenesis inhibitors. And it's another fucking goldmine of a video, but it only got 8,300 views. Why? People are lazy as fuck. And Steve, how do you get to your position? I'm not lazy. I keep doing research and I make research for you very, very easy, but you still don't want to watch. How long is this video? Dude, it's 35 minutes. What, do you, what else are you going to do? There's nothing on Netflix. <laughs> oh, good. No, no, you don't. Watch this video. Don't forget to like it. All right, I put it down below. You'll see that on the enzymatic reactions in the serogenesis cascade are dependent on NAD+, NADP, NADPH. All right, so why don't you raise your NAD plus levels, NADP levels, NADPH levels with nicotinamide riboside or nicotinamide mononucleotides so all the conversion can take place. And it's the same for magnesium, contributes over 300 enzymatic reactions. And it's the same for vitamin B6, B5P, contributes to the boatload of enzymatic reactions. Um, so why don't we look there, right? I mean, that's why we have the entrepreneur nootropic uh, deep dive video series because, you know, people who take steroids, they don't want to listen to it. They just want to know about trend, but maybe the entrepreneurs can, you know, or the entrepreneurs among us that take a little bit of steroids here and there, maybe they can finally come to the conclusion, you know what? Maybe I do need a little bit of magnesium for neurotransmitter synthesis. And maybe I do need a little bit of vitamin B6 for neurotransmitter synthesis. And you know what? When I started taking them, all these enzymatic reactions in my body that contributed to animalism started working. Bro. Every time I got to find out a new angle for you guys. All right, Thomas. So uh, this is not directed at you. This is directed at everybody else. Uh, and if you get triggered, post your comments, dude. It only fuels the algorithm harder. <laughs> so what can you look into? Magnesium, vitamin D3, vitamin B6, P5P. Uh, nicotinamide riboside, nicotinamide mononucleotide, or NAD plus, or combination thereof, and uh, maybe five amino one MQ to prevent the breakdown or recycling of NAD plus in adipose tissue. So the metabolism in adipose tissue is continuous, and if you're in a ketogenic diet, all this fat from adipose tissue is just continuously being dumped in the bloodstream. Now you're in a higher ketogenic state. You get leaner and leaner and leaner while your energy levels are sustained, and now you're highly fucking productive and anabolic because. Um, you know, getting adipose tissue, uh, let's say liberating adipose tissue also liberates the glycerol backbone, which converts into glucose through gluconeogenesis in the liver, which can be uh, amino acid sparing in a caloric deficit. Figured it out for you guys. Uh, okay, not hearing a difference. Fan isn't audible. That's great. So I can just sit here and blast the fucking aircon. All right. Is it possible that being a lot more muscular than the average population causes blood pressure readings to be higher than they would be in an average fat person? I still manage my blood pressure just wondering. Um, 
But the problem is with a fat person, right? Wherever you measure the blood pressure, whether that's on the, the wrist or the arm, uh, or do they measure it on other places of the body? I don't think so. Um, when they measure it here or in the arm, there's fat there, right? So you have to measure it through the fat. But generally speaking, muscular people are not so fat, right? And maybe 12% body fat, 15%, but that's not here. That's not here. That's around the waist, right? So we, we're not measuring anywhere uh, where fat obstructs the blood pressure reading. That being said, blood pressure readings are going to be inaccurate for the large majority of the muscular people and the large majority of the fat people. So you do the best you can. Um, if you feel that the readings are slightly off, I mean, it could be a 10% discrepancy. What I do, I take my blood pressure on the left side. I take my blood pressure on the right side. I wait five minutes. I do it again. I take the average of all four measurements. And then I decide if I need more magnesium or Cialis or uh, a sauna or uh, some more cardio or telmasartan uh, or something else i mean you just have to go with the measurements that you're given and of course a lot of people are going to contest that an omron 7 is not working but it's better than going to cvs every time and measuring your blood pressure there and if you're fucking muscular good luck trying to get your arm in there i mean i, I when i was fucking big and i had what 19 and a half inch arms think of yeah i was 19 and a half <laughs> pumped 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 um so you're not pumped when you go to the hospital obviously but when i was fucking big dude i couldn't get my arm further than my my bicep in those those real machines you know and and even the wrists wrist cuffs i go there in a fasted state i check my blood pressure in the morning and and it, my blood pressure's uh you know completely different from the machines when i was super muscular and now if i bring it with me the arm around seven the blood pressure cuff that fits around my arm it's basically the same measurement in the as the Omron 7 that I can get. So, again, you know, you're just at a risk of getting an accurate reading when you're either morbidly fat or morbidly muscular. And that's something you just have to deal with. So, and otherwise, if you're not sure of your blood pressure, just bend over and tie your shoelaces. If your face turns tomato red and you feel that pressure, blood pressure is too high. You need to look into your magnesium intake and downstream Cialis, Telmasartan, cardio, sauna, etc. Where do you get your five amino one MQ? Not seeing internal control F shortlist. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't have time to update that control F source list. And um, so it, it's it's probably on one of them. And maybe uh, Science Bio has it. Um, what's that website? I'm sure this one has it. Uh, Peptide Sciences, I'm sure, has it. I get it from my local compounding pharmacy here. That's a, a Gen Oracle, which you can actually sign up as a patient. Uh, but it might take some time for Nikki to get back to you because she's uh, she just had a baby, so she's pretty busy. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's not fair because her husband did a very similar fertility protocol that I did. <laughs> they got pregnant already, and we're still trying. Fuck! But they did IVF, so I mean, yeah, they they used the cheat card. Uh, so five amino one MQ. It's probably on one of the sources, and they just use my discount code. I just. You know, those websites change all the time, and it's it's such a hassle to keep indexing all their uh, things uh, all the time. So I, I probably made it too easy for you to lay, and now you guys are so lazy that you expect everything to be there in the control F list. Uh, but it's sometimes, I mean, these websites change so much, and the products are in stock and out of stock. Um, so unless somebody wants to do it for me and keep track of all of that, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's probably going to take me three days that I don't have to go through all of it. Next one. What do you think about alternative sites for glucose readings? Uh, well, you can basically take it anywhere. I mean, the finger is a very common 
place, but you can basically draw blood from anywhere as long as you clean the area. Because if there's a little bit of sweat or dirt, it um, you know uh, gives you a different reading. So, and of course, dude, at one time I you know I have an accurate check, right? Which are also slightly inaccurate. So you check on one finger, one finger, one finger, you cleaned it up completely. It's all dry and, and no dirt and no anything. Three fingers, three different readings with a, like a 10% discrepancy. It's hard. It's hard to track everything at home, man. It's hard, right? And we're not all Brian Johnson where we have a boatload of money where you can just buy this machinery and get the doctors to come to our house and never have to leave because we're scared of sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know draw blood from anywhere and, and take a measurement you know let's see are you using growth hormone at all while trying to get pregnant if not is it because you're concerned about the effects of preservatives or the gh himself no i'm still using growth hormone 2.4 i use uh per day so it's either 1.2 i use before cardio 1.2 i use uh on uh, workout days and on uh, days that I don't work out that take that 1.2 I use before bed so all the scientific literature that I've uh, researched is that growth hormone and the uh, IGF-1 levels for that matter if you bring them up from a, a low level to a sufficient level it has a positive effect on fertility and again my fertility parameters are almost, uh, fucking stellar guys it's just that my wife is 40 and it has we have a, a, a lower chance to impregnates uh every time we try to conceive right because the eggs might not nestle or catch into the uterus so um it it, it for me it, it's no longer about me my fertility parameters are absolutely stellar we're just waiting um to get lucky basically <laughs> it's just basically the, uh, waiting to get lucky and i've talked to a lot of 40 and 50 year olds and some of these guys said it you know it takes a year two years three years even so maybe at one point uh, we'll feel um rushed and then we'll do ivf Right, but for now, I mean, we've got given it what six tries. I think we're on the seventh now, so uh, you got to be patient, man. I'm, I've been in Bitcoin since 2015. I've been bodybuilding since 15 years old. I'm a patient man, and patience usually pays off. All right, and then the the, the twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars that I don't have to spend into IVF. Guess what? Guess where that money went? Crypto, baby. Yeah. Yeah, that adjustment is coming, I think. All right. Um, so, no, I'm not worried about exogenous growth hormone. Plenty of scientific evidence that show that uh, exogenous growth hormone in cases of deficiency can have a positive effect. And, uh, and not that I'm uh, deficient in growth hormone, but uh, I'm using 2.4 IUs, twi uh, you know, split over two, two dosages of 1.2 IU each. And I think that's pretty modest, right? It's, pretty, it's not a Chase Irons dose, not 18 IUs. That is not modest. That is, uh, you know, pretty high. And I think there's plenty of anecdotal reports of H patients undergoing 18 IU uh, growth hormone treatments, getting their partners pregnant, and somehow didn't uh, transfer the HIV to their kids. So that's good news. Um, yeah, or their partner or their kids. Yeah. So uh, let's see. Next one. Uh, what's the mechanism that would cause me to feel warm at night before bed while I'm on one IU growth hormone? Just the teeth. Didn't I, we answer this last week, Jake? I think I answered this last week, dude. Let me go to the timestamps. I'm pretty fucking sure I answered this. Where is it? T4. I think it's like one one minute, one hour, seven minutes, or one hour, eight minutes, ten minutes. I'm pretty sure I answered this already. 
<laughs> really? <laughs> All right, so it could be the thyroid conversion. Could be increase in metabolic rate. Uh, it could be uh, that your uh, growth hormone is impure and you're getting some allergic response. Uh, I have a fan in the bedroom all the time, whether I'm on growth hormone or not, um, you know, and 60 degrees. I mean, it's good to have a bathroom or a bedroom that's you know nicely temperature controlled. I mean, that's what most of the experts do. They have a temperature controlled mattress or temperature controlled bedroom with a fan blowing at, uh, you know, uh, um, one of those uh, silent fans, you know, where you don't hear it at all. And you just put it on, you know, one. I mean, this one is on one. You don't even hear it. Yeah, look at this. This one is on one. Can you see that? Probably not. Here, it's on one. It has four settings. So you can't even hear this thing, but it's blowing right into my balls. So I can stay cool and uh, keep a head cool. This one is now getting too cold. So let me move this up, down. Let me move this a bit. Okay, I guess these are all the questions. Let's move this up a bit. Ah, here we go. Have you tried paracetam? Yeah, a couple times. It's uh, It's all right. It's all right. Eventually, we'll get there. It's all right. I mean, dude, honestly, all these nootropics are the same. It's all the same shit. It's all the same shit. That's why I did the deep dive on the neurotransmitter aids first, and then people are bitching about, this doesn't compare to paracetam or modafinil or Adderall. Yes, it does, you stupid fuck. But, but if you start megadosing the paracetam or the modafinil or the Adderall, uh, you deplete your neurotransmitters. <laughs> So you need more. So instead, you supply all the uh, neurotransmitter precursors and, and aids to upregulate your neurotransmitters to the maximum extent. And then instead of taking a full dose of modafinil, you take a quarter, right? And the full dose of Adderall, you take a quarter. And the full dose of paracetam, you take a quarter. So uh, we'll get to that, don't worry. Um, and I've tried it, but, you know, honestly, most of these nootropics are uh, just stimulants. And... Uh, I think for car injectable carnitine, you get more of a mind-opening effect than many of these uh, nootropics. You know, dihexa, like luster. Nupept, like luster. Paracetam, like luster. I was on modafinil for a very long time. I like modafinil. I know exactly what to expect and how much productivity I can get out of it. I like Adderall, but sourcing is hard and it's kind of illegal, you know, because it's a methamphetamine variant or amphetamine variant and doing that in Thailand is stupid. Um, so yeah, you're, you're left with modafinil. And uh, I got everything that I needed for entrepreneurship out of modafinil. And now that I'm off all of that stuff, I still get out of everything for entrepreneurship out of my, uh, you know, L-tyrosine <laughs> and L-tryptophan and uh, alpha-GPC. All right. I haven't lost a beat, dude. I haven't lost a beat. So, all right. Let's uh, start opening it up. Bathroom break. Be back. Let's go public. I think that Paul is still uh, hoarding all the viewers. But that's okay. All right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. See you in a bit.
What's up, my dudes? It's Vigorous Q&A. Sowity cop. Jesus. Mm. Uh, hydration, guys. Mm -mm. All right, let's flood the chat a bit. Let's see if uh, Paul's still going live. Paul's still alive. 104 watching. Damn it, Paul. Let's see if Big... Oh, Big Nick is over there. Colton is on the bulk for Thailand, I see. Okay. <laughs> Let's close that. Save the bandwidth. All right, where are we? Uh... What's up, Iron Grid? Remember to like for the engagement. Any more cat pictures? Iron Grid. I love your kittens. Fucking legendary. Uh, Dick Cocktook. <laughs> Dick Cocktookie. Okay, we passed the first hour, so at least we can start making dick jokes. Dick Cocktookie. Cocktookie. Okay. Does the methyl estradiol from the animal fulfill this, all the physiological functions as regular estradiol? Well, I don't think there's been a one-on-one -on -one comparison between regular estradiol and methyl estradiol. Um, so I would say no. No, otherwise your body would uh, produce methyl estradiol. <laughs> so uh, you can get methyl estradiol from, uh, you know, maybe from boldenone injections uh, or, or certainly from the animal. Boldenone converts into estrone, it seems. Um, uh, to a certain extent, and it lowers estradiol levels. Uh, so yeah, uh, methyl testosterone obviously converts into methyl estradiol. So uh, uh, methyl estradiol uh, does not equal bioidentical estradiol. Let's see. Oh, you had a first question. Still, do you t uh, Steve, do you still take Nabivalol and do you think every bodybuilder should? Uh, I think it's a, you know, need to know, uh, need to use basis. I don't take it anymore. I mean, Nabivalol and, and many of the ancillaries uh, have a negative effect on hypothalamic pituitary testes axis or testosterone levels or on fertility. So the Nabivalol is out. It's been out for close to a year. I haven't taken any Telmasartan. I haven't taken any Modafinil, anything where there's clear scientific evidence that it's not good for fertility or no scientific evidence that it's uh, good for fertility, right? Where it's scientific evidence where it's bad, I take it out. And if there's no clear scientific evidence that it's good, then I don't take it. So that's why I take the Nabivalol out. Um, and I think, you know, larger bodybuilders can experiment with it if they, uh, you know, through an ultrasound or echocardiogram, they... Um, or an MRI, they see that they have, uh, you know, heart enlargement. I think Nabivalol can be very beneficial to kind of offset that and prevent that from progressing. Uh, or you can take it preventatively. But, you know, in many cases, it's, uh, I mean, why would you take a medication if nothing is really going wrong, right? I mean, if you're doing TRT, I don't think you need Nabivalol. Now, if you take two grams, three grams of gear, gear uh, at least put some sort of blood pressure management in place, right? Whether that's Telmasartan or Nabivalol. Yeah, uh, I would certainly look into that. Would using eight milligrams salbutamol per day cause fat loss? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And a lot of, uh, you know, like Australia, for example, or a lot of other countries where clenbuterol is a difficult to source, that they take salbutamol instead. 
because I think salbutamol is also available as a veterinary medication. So there's also always a way to bypass this. And instead of giving it to your pet, you give it to yourself and get fat loss. This is a dose of salbutamol needs to be significantly higher than clenbuterol. But it falls into the same category of the beta-2 adrenergic receptor agonist. Beta-2, yeah, beta-2 adrenergic receptor agonists. Let's see. OBS, Bryce on 16th. Love the content, Steve. I'm going to jump into my first cycle and wanted to get a full blood work panel done. Everything came back except HDL was low. 38. Last year was 65. DHS subs is the culprit. Uh, could be. Um, I mean, I, I would need to see more of your blood work, obviously. Uh, but maybe it's time before you get on your first cycle to see if fish oil, citrus bergamot, and everything else that is known to improve HDL levels, if that can bring it up. Because if your HDL is low already and you go on a steroid cycle, uh, it will certainly be lower, right? So, but otherwise, I mean, it's going to be low anyway. So maybe you start the DHEA, uh, pregnenolone, testosterone, and whatever else you want to run in your cycle, and then add in the fish oil and citrus bergamot and the uh, daily fasted cardio and healthy fat intake. You, uh, you know, improve all of that. And then uh, maybe HDL will stay the same, which a, 40, a 38 HDL on cycle, I don't think that's bad. It's very common to have an HDL uh, between, let's say, 30 to 40. Ideally, you want it over 60, uh, but ideally, it's not, it's, what, it's not what's going to happen when you're on a steroid cycle. Right? You can keep your LDL low if you take a Zetamibe, but keeping your HDL high, no. No, unless you go full carnivore, but then your LDL will be sky high also. All right, let's see. Where are we? Uh, uh. Can one enhance his performance on TRT for 140 milligrams per week? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, it's more than you're producing right now, and it's consistent. So I would kill for 140 milligrams of testosterone per week right now. And I would surely, even at a low dose like that, compared to my endogenous 700 nanograms per deciliter, I think I'd get about 1,000, maybe 900 uh, on 140 milligrams per week. But that's consistent, not fluctuating, right? Like right now, my testosterone is fluctuating. I in the morning and then tapering during the day. Uh, if I go to 140 milligrams testosterone replacement therapy, um, which technically I don't need because my testosterone levels are high. But if I were to go that route, my, my levels would be like 900 to 1,000 the whole fucking day. I mean, in that difference, uh, I could enhance my performance quite substantially, for sure. For sure. People say 140 milligrams doesn't do anything. Dude, if you do everything right, you eat right, you supplement right, you do your daily fast cardio, you treat it like a lifestyle, 140 milligrams will be a fucking godsend. Dude, if I start with 100, if I start with 156 milligrams testosterone per week, half an ampule, right, per week of bare testosterone, which is overfilled, if I start with half an ampule like that, I'll be 100 kilos. I fucking guarantee it. I'll gain eight kilos on that. Eight of lean muscle. I'll probably be leaner too. I'll fucking destroy all everybody in the gym that is on a, a gram cycle or more. I'll destroy all these fuckers on half an amp. Maybe not Aaron, but Aaron is very strong and he's on way more gear. But everybody else in that gym, I will fucking eat alive if I just go on half an amp. <laughs> so can that enhance your performance? Sure, for sure. 
Fragansman is a starting dose of Anivar 6.25 milligrams for a woman okay if she has no previous steroid use is there a risk of virilization uh i mean there's always a risk of virilization right but i feel that uh, 6.25 milligrams of anivar is a very low dose very good entry dose and it kind of depends on her body weight so if she's like a hundred pound asian girl it's probably too much but if she's a 130 140 pound caucasian girl or african-american or african descent girl then it's probably okay right so go by the body weight Right. I mean, of course, there's Caucasian girls that are 100 pounds and 140 pounds Asian girls. And right? so, guys, slow down. You know what I mean. Right? We're talking about uh, body weight <laughs> in relation. Uh, I've been living in Asia way too long. So uh, I, I think it's okay. I, I put plenty of girls in 2.5 milligrams that are lower body weight and, and 5 milligrams that were higher body weight. And they trained like, uh, you know, fucking animals and they got everything out of their five milligrams or 2.5 milligrams of anivar and, and 6.25 milligrams obviously is not too far from the five milligram dose um i've talked to girls that ran anivar year round never lost their period five milligrams anivar year round never lost their period and just made phenomenal gains with a little bit of dha alongside of that um hormones were always in range lh and fsh levels were normal um look just look great just look great look very very athletic yeah I think it's totally fine. Of course, you'd still need to her to do her blood work and eat healthy and train hard and do the daily fasted cardio, right? It's not magic. It's a low dose. Magic comes at the higher dose. And right? if, if you put her on 25 milligrams of Anivar, so you can do everything wrong and get results. And as a result of that, her clit is going to grow. She would want to fuck the couch, um, you know, just sitting there and, and, and maybe grow a mustache, you know, and a boatload of uh, hair on her legs. So, so you need to send her in for laser therapy and all that. It, it, it's cost way too much. So low dose, long time, make her build her muscle, supplement with a little bit of DHA alongside of that. And I think she's going to be fine. Um, you know, and, and, and do some ultrasounds on the, uh, the uterus and uh, the reproductive tract, because uh, obviously steroids might have a negative effect on that area. So it's something you need to look into. All right, where are we? I am Mr. Abex. Hi, hematocrit, red blood cell count, total ironing, uh, total iron binding capacity and transferrin and borderline low iron. Everything else looks normal. Should uh, iron be supplemented? I eat a lot of beef. So you have low serum iron, but high hematocrit, red blood cell count and transferrin. What about ferritin levels? All right, what about ferritin levels? What about, how's your B vitamin intake, your vitamin B9, B12? Were you hydrated? In your blood work right all these things you have to look into uh in this case uh since everything is high but your iron is low i would donate first get rid of the hematocrit and the red blood cell count the total iron binding capacity and transferrin will kind of balance itself out when your body starts producing new hemoglobin and new red blood cells and then if you already eat a lot of beef you don't need to supplement with iron because a lot of the iron is probably bound up in the ferritin or uh you know other uh in hemoglobin and so you need, you need to look into the total picture. With this, you could probably not make an accurate assessment on what you need to do, right? Besides saying that you probably need to donate unless you were dehydrated, and then you can just go and hydrate it the next time. Drink more water. Look into your blood pressure also, because if your blood pressure is high, then that also causes you to have high hematocrit, especially if you're dehydrated, right? Total picture. How long uh, for 250 milligrams of testosterone and to kick in uh, from the first injection? 
but if you're a noob then uh, you wouldn't know what to uh, expect and most people don't feel anything from 250 milligrams testosterone because they don't know what to look for and then you realize that at the gym you got stronger you're 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 like looking at girls like you just want to have angry sex with them and and you just feel more confident right you're you're slowly starting to turn into the center point of attention at uh you know parties or meetings or wherever else right you start to talk over people you have a lot of this positive aggression you work a lot harder that's the effects of testosterone dude right so you don't have it, it's not cocaine <laughs> it's not cocaine once you know what to look for then after a shot of testosterone you know exactly what's going to happen i mean you do feel it but a lot of people just don't know what to look for so i feel if i do a shot of test now i would feel it 100 the next day maybe the same day even right testosterone levels are going up i'll feel more confident i'll feel like working harder i'll feel like fucking harder i'll feel like training harder all that good stuff that's associated with testosterone i will feel it but if you're a newbie you don't know what to look for then you won't feel it kick in at one point you'll just feel like more of a man and then you realize like oh yeah wait a minute i'm on cycle yeah also that's what it does so no it doesn't kick in if you want something to kick in take like five grams of mushrooms give it like an hour and then there's like multiple levels of that kicking in and at one point everything moves and then you have to remain your composure for the next five six hours <laughs> yeah that is what kicks in dude randy meteor uh, i love to talk with dr hodgkins and dan co will there be more uh yeah at one point yeah i mean dan's busy uh dr hodgkins is busy i'm busy but i would uh, i would like to do a follow-up maybe in a couple months or something yeah maybe in a couple months but uh, there's always room for more with these guys because I like both of them and they have excellent content to share. And I think we, uh, you know, I think we made a very good podcast, even though I would expect a little bit more views. But I mean, it is what it is, right? People are too busy watching shit on Netflix nowadays. Six styles. How on does get over injection fear? I can do sub Q, but when it comes to intramuscular, I just can't get it over the matter of fact. How many times I've done sub Q? All right, I got a video for you. Uh, what does injections feel like? <laughs> Make that video also. Where is it? Inject. Oh, I have 27 videos about injections. Of course. What's the best place to inject steroids? No, that's not the one. Oh, here, what, what steroids actually feels like. I should read you this also. God, I look scruffy. <laughs> All right. It's the fourth video from the top. Or fifth one. Save. So basically, long story short, subcutaneous injections is the most painful part. And the intramuscular administrations is the least painful part. Piercing the skin hurts. And going intramuscular doesn't hurt at all unless you nick a vein and if you nick a vein it's it's not that painful dude i mean and honestly you can do an entire steroid cycle subcutaneously which i also have videos about that works very well if i had a time machine i would never do int anything intramuscularly besides maybe amino asylum stampede and super shredder and then maybe some igf1 and incorlex right for a localized effect that's the only intramuscular injections i would do which you can all do with insulin syringes um but if I had a time machine, I would not do all those steroid cycles intramuscularly in my glutes and lats to the point I had to spend an arm and a leg on a massage therapy to get rid of that scar tissue and just do my steroid cycle sub-Q, right? So um, man the fuck up, do a sub-Q cycle. You don't need to go IM 
But honestly, going IM, it's not as painful. It's not scary. It's just part of the game, right? So if you're going to do a high dose cycle, uh, a lot of milliliters per week, more than one milliliter per day, then you would need to go IM. Ferritin was low, B12 and folate were elevated. Um, hmm. Probably dehydrated then. Going, going again, going hydrated. Going hydrated. If it's still elevated, then you need to donate and then uh, continue to eat beef because you're obviously absorbing that to produce hemoglobin. But a lot of the iron was not in the ferritin or serum iron levels free, but it's in the hemoglobin, right? And then, of course, you have to look into your... Um, uh, red cell distribution width to see how big the red blood cells are, right? And the mean corpus volume, mean corpus hemoglobin concentration. So, uh, yeah. And then decide what, what the next road is, whether that's blood donations or a continuous hydration or blood pressure management. But I think your diet is fine, right? If your B12 and folate are already high from supplementation and you're eating a boatload of beef, then the nutrient intake is fine. Um, you just need to address it accordingly. And if your hematocrit and low blood cell count uh, keep uh, staying elevated, you donate. And then every time you have beef, you add in a little bit of IP6. Right? That's the choline hexaphosphate. IP6. Uh, what's it called? God, every time I Google it, it doesn't even give it a full fucking name. Choline hexaphosphate, yeah. Choline, or inositol hexaphosphate. Jesus, fuck. Too much entrepreneur deep dives. Uh, inositol hexaphosphate, IP6. Um, of course. Yeah. Inositol phosphate 6, which is hexa. Duh. Could have known that. Then have a little bit of IP6 with your uh, beef every time that inhibits the absorption of iron. And thus, uh, serum iron levels will, uh, or at least hemoglobin or red blood cell count might be a little bit lower. Again, you need to look into the full picture because every, um, you know, every nuance needs a particular solution. Let's see. Does high cortisol lower androgen receptor sensitivity? Oh, that I'm not sure. Um, I mean, obviously, cortisol will give a catabolic effect. And, and modulate the immune system and, and, and causes a stress response, which could offset the beneficial effects you get from androgens through the androgen receptor, right? So you have a positive signal and a negative signal, and this negative signal of the cortisol is higher than the positive signal, and thus you feel this less, right? So instead of having uh, equal, you have this, right? Um, so how to lower cortisol? Well, ashwagandha root extract is known to do that. Phosphatidylserine is known to do that. Um, adoptogens are very good at doing that. Of course, ashwagandha root extract is an adoptogen, but many there's so many adoptogens out there which can all have a positive effect on um, how you um, how your body handles with stress, right? Adapts the stress response, and thus makes the steroids potentially work better. All right. And of course, it can improve your endurance, it can improve your cognition, it can improve your well-being. So I would just look into, maybe you go to examine.com, and if you don't have a memberships there, you should, because it's a great resource for supplement, um, you know, research. And then you go to the tab where it says cortisol. Let me see if we can find that. Examine uh, cortisol. I did a great job in indexing all that. Uh, all that stuff. Let's see. Cortisol. 
Yeah, here. Go here. Uh, let me link it here. Second link from the top. Sign up there and you get links to like everything that has a positive effect on cortisol. And just as a quick uh, overview, 5-HTP, uh, arachidonic acid, arginine, ashwagandha root extract, bacopa monieri, beta-alanine, betaine, black seed, blueberry, boron, branched-chain amino acids, caffeine, cannabis, clary sage. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on, right? They index all the studies which could have a positive effect on modulating your cortisol levels. So do yourself a favor, um, sign up to examine. That this is the best research you can find, right? When it comes to lowering particular blood work parameters. And then, sorry, I don't have a discount code. <laughs> sorry, but I'm sure there's somebody out there with a discount code. So uh, use that. D-L-O or D-L-O. Uh, I had my back fusion, very successful so far. All right, was able to leave the hospital the following day. Thank you for all your help. You're the best. Um, okay, I'm not sure. I can't remember. But if if I gave you advice in the past and it helped you with uh, the recovery of back fusion, then I'm very happy that I could somewhat contribute to your recovery process. But I can't remember. Um, but I'm happy to hear that it's going uh, well so far and that you're able to leave the hospital the following day, which is very, very fast. I mean, uh, I think, uh, what's his name? Roma Fritz had a hip surgery, right? And he spent like one or two days, three days in the hospital. We're actually supposed to do a podcast last Sunday. Um, so that's a, a, almost a week ago. But, you know, he wasn't really up for it yet. So hopefully we can do it next week and then uh, we'll discuss uh, Increlex and high dose cycles uh, from the, one of the more truthful pros out there publicly. So yeah, I hope you'll feel better soon, dude. And uh, you know, keep watching those videos about how to recover from surgery, because uh, all the information is there. And then you can have that Wolverine healing factor uh, going so fast that you can walk into the hospital the next time uh, when you call for your checkup and they're like, Oh, uh, why the hell are you walking? And why the hell are you bending over doing deadlifts again? What the fuck, bro? Give me some of that good juice. And then you tell the doctor, There'll be a thousand dollars to get the protocol. Ha. Huh. Zane, could you explain LH desynthesization with long-term HCG use? Um, I, I think I explained this many different times, but long story short, you don't necessarily desynthesize to LH alone, but also HCG through the uh, G protein a uh, signal that comes from the combined luteinizing hormone chorionic gonadotropin receptor. If you overdo the HCG while you're taking progestogenic steroids or you're just on a very high dose steroid cycle. So, you know, a couple of years ago, I thought that everybody was a bodybuilder, right? And the, the meathead in me thought that my audience was 100% bodybuilder and that everybody take insane doses just like I used to take. So I said, uh, you know, HCG doesn't work because you desensitize uh, the receptor. Um, and then you do some more research and you realize that most of the desensitization indirectly occurs through the progesterone receptor, which of course, you know, progesterone receptors uh, need to be activated with progestogenic 19 nors. That's why on Trembolone, Nandrolone, Trestolone, your nuts are tiny, doesn't matter how much HCG you take. And it might mean that you get um, an acute response from adding in the HCG when your libido is not so good on a cycle that has Trembolone, Nandrolone, or Trestolone. And then your nuts get smaller. And that's where the desensitization comes from, right? So it's, it's just multiple studies combined with, the, you know, the physiological effects. Um, and it can even happen on a high-dose cycle. But 
if you're on HCG solo, well, that's what I'm doing, there's no decentralization. So you can run a thousand IOs HCG every day or every other day. That's very commonly done in fertility protocols. You let your estradiol levels come as high as they can, right? Unless you're really morbidly obese and all the testosterone is converting into estradiol. And now your estradiol levels are like gynecomastia territory, right? Don't do that. Get fucking lean, you fat piece of shit. So you don't need an aromatized inhibitor, right? I think everybody can do ATG monotherapy without an aromatized inhibitor if you're healthy, right? If you're not fat, if you're in shape. So I don't need an aromatized inhibitor at a thousand IOs, um, recombinant human chorionic gonadotropin three times per week. You let your estrogen levels come high because estrogen contributes to follicle stimulating hormone receptor sensitivity. So the FSH that you're taking is now more effective if serum estradiol levels are you know, somewhat elevated to the top of the reference range, right? It was within range, but towards the higher part. So mine are like 35, 37. So that's towards the top of the reference range that goes up to 40 picograms per milliliter. And my FSH is working like a charm because my semen parameters are fucking stellar. Yeah. So long story short, don't take too much steroids. Don't take Tremblone, Nandrolone, or Tristolone, and then your HCG will work. Yeah, your HCG will work. Um, but of course, that's not what people want to hear. They want to hear, um, "Can I have big balls while taking a boatload of train?" It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Let's see. Uh, doesn't Anivar block cortisol too and growth hormone? I mean, Anivar can block the cortisol receptor. I mean, halotestin can um, block the cortisol receptors and uh, several enzymes, which would otherwise convert uh, convert cortisol into a non-active form. I can't remember what it's called. Um, it metabolizes cortisol into something else, which is not... Um, really fulfilling the same physiological effects as cortisol so by inhibiting the uh, metabolizing of um, inhibiting the enzyme that would otherwise uh, metabolize cortisol into something inactive cortisol levels go up but you're also blocking the receptor so cortisol cannot potentiate its effects so that's why halotestin is such a funky compound because serum cortisol levels might actually go up while you're using it but you don't get any of the effects effects besides maybe a little bit of overlap into the mineral or corticoid receptors and thus uh mineral retention goes up uh contributing to fullness but also contributing to water retention right so anivar can block the cortisol receptor but you're asking me about uh, does cortisol have a negative effect through the androgen receptor uh yeah to a certain extent all right uh, or no sorry the cortisol doesn't have a negative effect through the androgen receptor but if cortisol levels are high and you're not taking a steroid that would block the cortisol receptors then the, the catabolic effect versus the anabolic effect is is skewed all right so you could look into cortisol but uh or look into anivar but i think phosphatidylserine and some adoptogens will probably get you further than just blocking the the cortisol receptors with anivar because then cortisol is still present right and how much milligrams of anivar do you need to take to block all of the cortisol uh, cortisol receptors not sure flare is resting heart rate of 76 on a cycle test master on hcs too much how can you reduce it besides cardio? Yeah, is less or hit cardio better to improve resting heart rate? Uh, I would say that steady state is already fine as, as long as it's medium intensity, but you know, uh, high intensity or interval cardio helps with that. But yeah, I, I would say that a resting heart rate of 76 is too, uh, too high. I mean, it, it just means that your heart is just pumping 
uh, a lot all day. I mean, is that from inflammation? Is it from a lot of food intake? Is that from increased water retention around the heart, right? I mean, but the masteron should offset that a little bit too much uh, or should offset that. So please check your blood pressure, see what's going on there. Um, you know, a resting heart rate of 76, I would feel is too high. My resting heart rate is like 45, you know, and with Nabivalol, it's lower. So, but I, I, I treat my body a little bit more like an athlete nowadays. Back in the day, my resting heart rate was about 60, and then I would add in the Nabivalol, it would be 40. All right, so ideally you try to get it down as best as you can without using a beta blocker. But if that's required, then it's required. Yeah. So, but uh, you probably can get a good response from taking some fish oil, vitamin E to thin your blood and uh, taking a blood pressure medication or, or something to improve your blood pressure like magnesium, Cialis, Telmosartan. Uh, cardio obviously improves your blood pressure, right? Uh, regulating your salt intake uh, improves your blood pressure. And then, of course, the added cardio, whether that's medium intensity or high intensity um, for a certain amount of minutes, which could diminish the quality of your legs recovery. We answered that earlier in this video. Use the timestamps when they drop. Um, that will all improve your resting heart rate, right? but don't let it go too high. And it could just be an early sign of overtraining, man. Some people just see their, uh, you know, when their resting heart rate just goes high and it doesn't really come down at certain points in the time. It's just an early indication that you're overtrained. You need to take a week off that you know could solve it also jordan rosengarten i started increasing my growth hormone dose and i noticed i've been getting tennis elbow and my uh, forearm tendons uh seem inflamed do you think there's a connection well it's probably just an early onset of the the carpal tunnel syndrome that you're going to experience so um maybe don't increase it that much and give yourself two weeks three weeks between every increment so I'm not entirely sure how many units you increased. So if you go from four to six IUs, it's a 50% increase, right? So maybe you go from four to five IUs, give that two or three weeks, uh, make sure you're on top of your taurine, right? They control your water balance, et cetera. Right? We talked about this a hundred times. And then uh, increase it later when you don't notice any of the side effects. It's so weird because I can take like fucking eight IUs of growth hormone and not get any carpal tunnel at all, <laughs> at all. And I've been using exclusively pharmaceutical grade. You know, so if you're using, uh, you know, uh, your mama tropin with anti-diuretic hormone and it's uh, it's it's so cheap that you're like, oh, this is this price too good to be true. I got to stock up on a, on 5,000 IUs and now you got to finish it. Well, uh, you might have to take some hydrochlorothiazide to get the, the water off because the anti-diuretic hormone of your generics is just giving you terrible carpal tunnel. Um, yeah, so you're, uh, you're going to have to you know, reduce the dose and uh, increase it slower. And of course, use pharma. Sebastian, let's see. What is the best peptide for fat loss? Testosterone, 5 amino acid MQ, I'm 80% body fat, slight caloric deficit, 30 years old, 150 milligrams. Testosterone, uh, you're 18% body fat, so you don't need a fucking fat burner, dude. You can get down to 12% without any fat burners. Sorry to say it, but you don't need it. You don't fucking need it. If you want the best fat burner, DNP. Right? That's not my advice, but that's the best fat burner out there. Uh, I would not touch DMP for, uh, you know, a million dollars. Um, but if you want the best fat burner, that is the one. <laughs> that is the one. You can do everything wrong and still burn fat. Get yourself down with your slight caloric deficit by increasing your caloric expenditure, by increasing your cardio, right? And doing some steps during the day. Don't sit on your ass all the time. I'm too busy. No, you're not too busy. Everybody says they're too busy. You're still watching TV. You can do cardio while you watch TV, right? Get your head out of your ass. 
just talking about the general population here, not you, uh, Sebastian, but I hear, I've heard all the excuses why uh, you're not losing fat at 18% body fat, and it just boils down to fucking laziness. So uh, get busy, get down to 12% body fat, earn those fat burners, because if you add them in now, what are you going to do from 12% onwards? Take more fat burners and compromise your health more. Desmarone does fuck all for fat loss. I don't know why these HRT keep, uh, clinics keep saying that. Oh, Desmarone raise your growth hormone and this you get fat loss. Dude, shut the fuck up. It doesn't. It doesn't. Real exogenous growth hormone improves fat loss because you get a super physiological amount and you can control when you take it. Whereas with Tessa timing that around the workout is difficult because it takes some time for growth hormone secretion to occur. And growth hormone secretion is significantly lower compared to exogenous administrations. So five amino one MQ, I would add in at 8% body fat. It's a waste to add it in any earlier. Um, and in the meantime, uh, injectable L-carnitine, diet adherence, if you can't adhere to your diet, take uh, terzepidite or lyroglutide or semaglutide or uh, dulaglutide or retrotrutide, right? Uh, that will probably give you the best fat loss through diet adherence and a little bit of uh, GIP and glucagon activation on adipose tissue. So you have continuous lipolysis from adipose cells. And when this lipolysis stalls, add in nicotinamide mononucleotide and a 5-amino-1-MQ. Um, take that 8% take that down to 6%. And I think you can do it on that, dude. I think you can do it on that alone. You don't need clen, you don't need ephedrine, you don't need tessamorelin, but add in a little bit of GH for fullness uh, on top of your TRT. I think that's totally fine. I, I mean, if you can get 5-amino-1-MQ, you can also buy growth hormone. <laughs> so, yeah, get busy. Let's see. Uh, TL. My estrogen went from 85 picograms per milliliter on 1,000 IUs, HCG three times a week, 75 IUs, FSH three times a week, 25 milligrams DHEA, 10 milligrams per gallon daily. Uh, all right, so your your body fat levels are too high then. <laughs> so it's the exact same that I run, but my estradiol levels are 37. Uh, a sperm count suffered. Having high estrogen doesn't have a negative effect on your semen parameters. Uh, should I just have the HCG dose? So. I, I would see uh, why your sperm count suffered. I, I don't think it has anything to, do, anything to do with your estrogen levels. If your uh, estrogen levels went up this much, you're probably zinc deficient, and you have a lot of aromatized enzyme activity, or your body fat levels are too high, which if you add in the zinc and you get your body fat levels down, that probably has more of a positive effect on your semen parameters than making any changes to this protocol, because this protocol is fucking God. When it comes to um, when it comes to fertility, I, I know people who run this exact same protocol as I do, and my, their semen parameters are fucking stellar. So, and if you say estrogen, do you mean estradiol or total estrogens? Right? I mean, there's a big difference there. So, uh, I would add in the zinc. I would get your body fat levels down a little bit, and then if you can't get your estrogen levels down, um, an aromatized inhibitor might be warranted, or you can get away with methane. You know, and I don't want to hear anything about androgen receptor uh, inhibition. I mean, there's plenty of worse androgen receptor disruptors out there than methane, and none of those uh, prostate cancer studies have been uh, re-performed on skeletal muscle. And I know plenty of guys who run uh, methane year-round, and they have no sort of androgen uh, inhibition through the androgen receptor. So, uh, you know, guys, I get it, but I don't get it. 
So if your sperm count suffered, uh, maybe it's something that you're eating, maybe a lot of oxidative stress, maybe you're uh, just masturbating too much because obviously this stack will uh, keep you horny. So if your sperm count suffered, maybe the, 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 you know, the abstinence time went from four days to two days, of course it's going to suffer, <laughs> dude. All right, make sure it's always four days, always four days. And then take it from there. Uh, Don, Dan Jewett. Are you related to John Jewett? Uh, thank you for all your videos. My pleasure, dude. <laughs> Thanks for your super like. Much appreciated. All right, did we go through all of it? Are you guys are talking about injectable pre-workouts? Please don't inject Gorilla Mode. Who's doing that? Who is doing that? You guys are nuts. God. Oh God! Here we go again. All those conspiracy theories. When are you guys going to pull the plug and just assault the government? At least in America, they did that for a while. You know, All right? If you want to make a change, just bum rush the government. The guy that's in there now in the U.S. Uh, the, the, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't mind if he's uh, replaced. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew, look at the fucking color on this one. $50 donation. You are the fucking man. Andrew Garcia asks, currently on enclomiphene monotherapy, doing proper blood work, total testosterone around the mid-1700s. Holy shit, everybody's going to do enclomiphene monotherapy now. Free testosterone 35, estradiol 65 to 68. Okay, that's okay. LH 18. Um, okay, it's time to lower the dose. <laughs> All other markers within the reference range except IGF-1 mid-50s. Ooh. Oh, that hurts. Considering injecting IGF-1 LR3 or should I switch over to HCG monotherapy? What is your dose, Andrew? Is that 50 milligrams, 25 milligrams, 12.5 milligrams? Please clarify because I think that your total testosterone is great, but I think your LH is a little bit high. And with high LH levels chronically, there might be a negative effect on your testicular health um, over time. So I would bring your LHs down to maybe five or six. And if you, so that probably means that you have to cut the dose by one third, right? Of course, your testosterone levels might drop by one third. And your free testosterone levels might drop by one third. And your estradiol levels might drop by one third, which basically gives you what, 1200 nanograms total T and 40 estradiol, which I think is fine, right? For an LH of five to six. Uh, your IGF-1 might come up as a result of that because now you're taking less selective estrogen receptor modulators, obviously. Uh, you're also off cheaper because you're taking less enclomiphene. And then um, with this money that you're now not spending on enclomiphene, you shuttle that towards the IGF-1 uh, LR3 um, experiment and then uh, give that a run and then feel free to uh, switch over to HCG monotherapy. But, you know, the benefit of enclomiphene monotherapy is that you can keep your pituitary uh, right hypothalamus and pituitary to the testicular signals stay active in the form of lh and fsh and if you go with hcg monotherapy inevitably the lh and fsh signal will come down but your igf1 levels will come up because hcg monotherapy doesn't have a negative effect in your igf1 so uh and hcg monotherapy you can do with pharmaceuticals and enclomiphene unless you get it from a compound or pharmacy not FDA approved and no pharmaceuticals really out there. Again, besides compounding pharmacies, but I'm not sure how many compounding pharmacies are prescribing enclomiphene. 
I'm not sure how many are doing that. And the clotting risk, which which fucking bothers me, right? I mean, it hasn't been established on enclomiphene, but it's well established on clomet. And of course, clomet is what, uh, two-thirds enclomiphene and one-third zuclomiphene. Uh, I haven't found a comparative study between the two to see where this clotting risk is coming from. And in this day and age, you can't be careful enough. That is my only gripe. And the altered effects of bone mineralization, right? I don't think that selective estrogen receptor modulators are sustainable. Um, otherwise, trust me, dude, I would run enclomiphene right now. I mean, it's more convenient. It's way cheaper compared to the recombinant HCG that I'm taking. Uh, I would run it right now, but I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared of the weird uh, selective estrogen receptor modulation, and I'm scared of the clotting risk. So I'm running HCG monotherapy uh, and FSH alongside of that. So I'm spending way more so I can be safer. All right, I didn't see your uh, question, but Andrew, if you uh, let us know your dose so we can give you some advice on uh, which dose to lower it to, but I would lower it by one third. Yeah, based on your, I would lower it by two thirds, sorry. Um, oh, so that means your estradiol might be like 30 and your testosterone might be like 800. Yeah, all right, well, time will tell. Otherwise, there's always HCG monotherapy. Uh, fragrance man, I'm planning to do 50 milligrams of Anavar for eight weeks. Should I break that up into 25 milligrams AM and PM? Please give me your thoughts or 25 milligrams for 16 weeks. Yeah, the latter, the latter, really, dude. If you got a real Anavar, if it's legit, if it's good, um, then you don't need more than 25 milligrams, really. Um, I would rather do 25 milligrams for 16 weeks. Yeah, less negative effect on your lipids, less negative effect on your liver enzymes. Um, less uh you know potential for uh you know angina that's what i got when i ran 50 milligrams of pharmaceutical anvar i got fucking angina dude was scary as shit all right training do your chest you your chest workout you know oh you put the weight down and you're like ooh, what the fuck is that you know that was on 50 milligrams anvar and a grammar test <laughs> so i'm sure the tests uh, also contributed but i've taken two and a half grams of test in my uh, days and I didn't get anything close to angina. So uh, 25 milligrams is what I would do. And, 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 you know, if you're unsure, bump up the dose, right? 12.5 milligrams for four weeks and 25 milligrams for like eight weeks. And then if you want to experiment with 50 milligrams, do that towards the tail end and then make sure you're on top of your taurine, ubiquinol, electrolyte, right? So as soon as you have angina, then at least, you know, you're covered everywhere else. Uh, because that's what I would be most scared of. And all the guys that say, dude, I run 80 milligrams of Anavar. That's not real Anavar, baby. Not real Anavar. Go buy some Oxibone right, from Anabolic Pharmacist. Run that at 80 milligrams. You'll be dead. <laughs> You'll be fucking dead. You get a fucking heart attack for sure. Is PCT required for HCG monotherapy? So yeah, the longer you do it, the more you would require a post-cycle therapy, even though you don't really do a cycle. Um, because there's no steroids involved, but the hypothalamic pituitary uh, signal is shut down. So you would need to take enclomiphene or clomid or Novodex in combination, depending on how long you took the HCG mon monotherapy, how old you are, and how resilient your uh, pituitary is. Um, yeah, you would need to do a PCT. Yeah. Yeah. So most guys who do enclomiphene or HCG monotherapy, they go into a steroid cycle and then they do HCG monotherapy later on. They don't even do a PCT. They just keep the testicles active to get their wife pregnant, which, you know, at one point will be, uh, you know, happening for me also. And, 
you know, and, and then they go back on cycle. <laughs> Fuck the pituitary, dude. Lazy. Pituitary hypothalamus, lazy as shit. You know, growth hormone secretion comes down, luteinizing hormone levels come down, follicle-stimulating hormones levels come down as you age. So when you're 40, uh, just supplement, you know, exogenous growth, exogenous HCG or stare, uh, testosterone. Right? And, and keep going down the list. That's why HRT Plus is so much fun, right? All the bioidentical hormones and then so. Uh, Steve, you said you made a video on all the products from Amino Asylum that you could please release that is solely needed by my man. What, what do you mean? Could you please release that? Yeah, I made like two or three review videos about the Amino Asylum products that I like um that are unique to amino asylum right the injectable pre-workouts so those videos are already there dude do i need to search for you do i need to search uh injectable pre i got too many videos isn't like injectable pre-workout of the year awards Ah, here we go. Ah, two videos I have. Two videos I have. All right, I'll link them down below. So those are already there, bro. God, it was jacked. I miss those days. <laughs> I miss being fucking jacked. All right, save. Now the videos are there. All you have to do is use the search function. Mm -mm -mm. Let's see. Andrew, did you comment somewhere? You just hit and run $50. <laughs> Andrew, what was your enclomaphene dose, bro? Fuck, for 50 bucks, I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Right? Just like the prostitutes in Amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did I get for $50? Yeah. I missed the super chat. Oh, shit. Oh, here it is. All right. Flair, 93. My bad, dude, buddy. Do you prefer Lantus or rapid-acting insulin in the off-season to manage blood glucose in the off-season? How would you make sure not to get diabetic? So you use insulin so you don't turn yourself into a diabetic, right? You use insulin to support the pancreas when food intake is sky fucking high. So you combine both, right? Of course, it takes experience. So you would start with Lantus, slowly ramping up the dose until your blood glucose levels are controlled. And then maybe add in the rapid acting insulin before or after the workout, right? I discuss all of this in my insulin ebook. It's a hundred bucks, but it's well worth it. <laughs> yeah, so long story short, uh, I would start with Lantus. Most people do very, very well on Lantus. Right, you check your blood glucose uh, upon waking, post-fasted cardio, which you should still be doing in the off-season, uh, then uh, before every meal, then post-workout and before bed. And once you have a glucose log of a week, then you can start ramping up the insulin dose and uh, get to a sweet spot of 10 IUs, 25 IUs, 80 IUs. Right? I don't know what your caloric intake is and how many calories and carbohydrates you're eating. Um, so yeah, entirely, uh, uh, you know, depends on you. Then if you feel that you need a little bit of a boost into workouts because your um, workout capacity is so fucking high that the Lantus is not covering your intra-workout, then you take 5, 10 IUs, rapid-acting insulin, pre-workout. Uh, with your pre-workout meal, 
which then starts to peak during your workout. So you have your intra-workouts with branched-chain amino acids or essential amino acids, high-brand cyclic dextrins, some uh, proper electrolytes, right? a good hydration formula, and then uh, you know maybe some uh, adenosine monophosphate, uh, orally or injectable, to kind of isolate everything and some uh, IGF-1 locally, right? All the good stuff, all the creatine, all the good stuff. And then uh, you complement your workout with rapid-acting insulin, making sure that you get a boatload of extra carbohydrates into a workout, right? So I think, uh, I mean, Chase Irons was doing just rapid acting insulin around the workout and he was taking 150 grams intra, 150 grams of carbs intra. And I think he would have benefited more if he added in a little bit of lantus, uh, 10, 20 IUs per day, right? But I can't really remember what his protocol was. So uh, I, I like both, but again, it takes experience and research, uh, which I, again, all you have to do is buy the insulin ebook. If you can afford insulin, you can afford the insulin ebook. It's only hundred bucks. It will teach you everything, right? Everything you need to know. Uh, hey, Steve, I've learned recently that Masteron has no effect on my estradiol, whereas Primo has a profound AI effect. This is generally one or the other. Uh, it's funny that everybody now says that Masteron doesn't affect estradiol, even though I've seen so much blood work because uh you know well, some of its metabolite acts as a selective estrogen receptor modulator and uh primabone has uh, metabolites which act as an aromatizing inhibitor guys i've been doing this game for a very long time the large majority of the people out there whether they take masteron or primabolin see a reduction in serum estradiol levels if that doesn't happen for you okay that's fine right it doesn't happen for everybody right? it's poorly investigated even the metabolites of masteron and primabolin have been poorly investigated but it appeared that some have a selective estrogen receptor modulating effect and others have an aromatized inhibiting effect right so we take what the scientific evidence uh you know we do with what we got but ultimately it's up to your blood work so if your blood work says that your estradiol goes down when you add in the masteron good you can use it as an aromatized inhibitor if it doesn't happen then you might need to add in the primo or boldenone which might also not lower your estradiol levels <laughs> right or maybe your masteron is masteron is a testosterone propionate which also happens and at least primo you can get as a pharmaceutical albeit that the ampules are fucking overpriced right now is it my fault potentially and i've been pushing the primo pretty hard for the last couple of years <laughs> so the demand has probably gone up and that's uh, that's why the prices are up um so Masteron, if you buy that, I mean, send it in for spectral analysis, you know, uh, send it to Janoshik or somewhere else where they can analyze it. Maybe your Masteron is a Masteron. Maybe your Masteron is um, uh, testosterone propionate. So take a steroid, do your blood work. If you don't get the desired effect, whether that's on anabolism or uh, body composition or cosmetic appeal, or in this case, uh, the reduction of uh, modulation of serum estradiol levels, switch, make a switch. It's that simple, right? Everybody has different response. No, I mean, all their injectable products. Dude, this is, no. <laughs> I got better things to do, man. I got better things to do. Unfortunately, those review videos, they, uh, I mean, they, they generate a little bit of sales and then it's done. So um, I think I can do the community a lot better favors if I just go through more commonly used products right and if i need to review all products of all affiliates then uh i'm gonna be fucking busy for a while so no i'm not gonna review all of their injectable products only the ones that i liked and i really liked their injectable pre-workouts
No, so this is based on blood work. Okay, good. So in your case, if Masterone doesn't lower your uh, estradiol, then um, uh, go with Primo. <laughs> go with Primo. It's that simple. Yeah, it's that simple. If you want these steroids to lower your estradiol levels, because you can still get all the benefits of Masterone without uh, it affecting your estradiol, you can modulate your estradiol by getting your body fat levels down or taking zinc or adding in the Primo. Right, or adding an aromatase inhibitor, right? You have to do with what you got. Brent Locky, have you ever cut yourself trying to pop up in an ampule? Yeah, yeah, many a times. Uh, but that was with underground lab ampules, right? The ones that come from India. Those are uh, poorly constructed. It has never ever happened with pharmaceutical ampules, besides those Pakistani Bayer desivirates. Those guys, like in the in the brown bottles. Fuck me, man. Those are hard to crack. And when they do crack, they scrape open your thumb all the way to the back. You know, it scrapes like here, like suicide scrapes. Terrible. So no, uh, those I would, uh, you know, you get a towel and then you crack it in the towel so you don't get scratched. Uh, and I think in on Amazon, you have like ampule uh, cutters or, or you can go cheap and you just get a three milliliter syringe. You pop the plunger, use the back of the three milliliter syringe to crack it open. Right, and then uh, fingers crossed that the contents of your ampule doesn't spill out over everywhere. What? Hey, Steve, I heard Jay Campbell said not to travel to Thailand right now, but he couldn't elaborate on his doctor's round table. Any ideas why? I have no idea why. Maybe because you can't buy meth here. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, what's wrong with Thailand? I mean, there's, there's, Thailand is always in the news, dude. There's always drama here. You know, but if you if you stay out of the drama places, then it doesn't happen. So I always tell people, don't go, go, don't go live in Pattaya. It's a cesspool of, of trouble. <laughs> I've told so many people, right? I mean, most of the troubles that happen in the tourist area, Phuket, Pattaya, that's where all the drama happens, you know? But the rest, the rest of Thailand is, is totally fine, totally safe. You have a great time. And you need to hang out with the right people, you know? So if you hang out with the wrong crowd, you get yourself into trouble. That's your fault. That's not Thailand's fault. Right? You can get yourself into the wrong crowds everywhere. Um, so it's, it's entirely up to you. But Thailand is totally safe, dude. I mean, the only thing that's bad right now in Bangkok is the air pollution. You know? Uh, that's the only bad thing. Um, so maybe that's why Jay Campbell said that, you know? I don't know. I don't really follow Jay Campbell. Let's see. Where are we? Juice box. Uh, Steve, any opinion on Waco V versus Zip bound for weight loss? What what Zip bound? Is that the uh, terzepidite? Yeah, terzepidide, right? Oh, terzepidide is uh, fucking superior. Is is Zepbound uh, already available? Terzepidide, I mean, I documented it here on uh, several YouTube videos. So go watch those, right? Type in terzepidide. I'll do it for you because nobody does that anymore. Um, where are we? Google Studios. Terzepidides. the second part of this video all right bottom one that i just saved give that video a watch terzepidide over uh, wego v all day long one milligram or half a milligram three times a week 
Best shit ever. Thailand is cool. You just got to check, uh, double check under the skirt of your date before you take her home. Even then, dude, they they're well. Uh, they can tuck very well, and some of them had their surgery, so uh, that doesn't mean uh, the the full thing, right? I mean, it's very simple. If the girls are very aggressive, it's probably a lady boy. Right? Thai girls are usually pretty shy. They're nothing like lady boys. So if she's really coming on to you, she either wants money or she's a lady boy or both. <laughs> Which then, if you want to spend money, I mean. A ladyboy probably knows better what men like than uh, the girls like. So, I don't know. I haven't dabbled. <laughs> and never will I ever do that. Yeah. But, yeah, you got to be careful, man. Watch all those videos. Yeah, Zipad, Zipad was just approved, right? Yeah. It was just approved in the U.S. So, um, make sure you stock up on some more Ellie Lilly stock because uh, it's going to skyrocket, I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah. King David, I feel I'm the only person using the search function on YouTube anymore. Yeah, I don't even think why it's there, you know? I don't even know why it's there. So uh, I'm just going to make new videos of old content and, 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 and take the new subscribers and take the new AdSense. Now, if you guys don't want to make the search function, no worries, I'll bring it back to you with, with new content and a little bit slicker than before. And then uh, you get the same shit that you already watched, uh, but, you know, packaged up nicely. It's like going to your favorite restaurant every single week, right? It's the same shit, but it's still fucking good, right? Same quality that you can expect from yours truly, right? I mean, who does, who does 50 minute deep dives on the anabolic to androgenic ratings? I do. Any tips for being neutered tomorrow? Uh, good luck. Trans man fan. Yeah, so if you're going to get neutered, uh, good luck, I would say. Make sure you think it through, because uh, I'm not really sure if that's reversible. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's reversible. And, uh, yeah, if you've made up your mind, then uh, well, the outcome should be very, very fun for you, right? Let's see, where are we? Oh, hit the like, boys. Hit the like, where are we? How many likes we got? Fucking ingrates. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> where are we? 42 likes. Oh, my God. Oh. What can you do, man? Telling people to like and comment and subscribe, it doesn't work. It's too much effort. <laughs> just want to watch. Fuck you, Steve. Just want to watch and do, listen and do dishes. That's what I want. Don't want to like shit. I'm going to get demonetized again. Don't worry, I'll file for a manual review and they get approved. Because those uh, Indian and Filipino uh, manual approvers, they love the Vigorous Q&A. And they love the Vigorous Steve YouTube channel. Oh, fuck. Guys, I have, I have a huge... I totally forgot to bring it. Wait, wait one minute. I just remembered something. Right? Stay tuned. Give me one minute.
All right, you guys ready for this? <laughs> Sorry, I totally forgot to show you guys this. All right. What the fuck is that? Let's do a quick unboxing. That's right, bitches. <laughs> Hell yeah. I didn't even unbox it yet. Oh shit, I got greasy fingers. I'm going to leave it in here. So uh, you see there, Vigorous Steve. Congratulations for passing 100,000 subs. Man, these are, lights are too bright. Thanks to all of you guys. Fucking epic. I got to find a place for it. Maybe I'll put it like here. It's probably going to reflect the studio lights. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I got an award. Uh, award. So, you know, people that always bitch, I take so long. Dude, I got verified in one hour or two hours. Right? So that's why we got the check mark. And I got this in the mail in like two weeks. Legend. Shouldn't show my address. Might have to cut some minutes out. Ah, can't see it. Good shit. All right. So that will be on the wall at one point when I get my uh, drill ready. Uh, where were we? Where are we? What the fuck? I'm literally doing dishes, dude. I have I I the only time I listen to YouTube nowadays is when I'm either taking a shit, I'm doing dishes, which I have staff for. <laughs> so I barely do dishes, right? But when I'm doing something around the house, like you know, folding laundry and that kind of stuff, or you know, cleaning out my closet and that kind of shit, I only listen to YouTube when I'm doing stuff. I don't watch. I don't have time. When I'm sitting behind my computer, I'm working. This is work for me. And if I'm sitting here, I'm doing research. I'm do making videos. I produce, right? I produce, produce, produce. But consuming, I do multitasking with something else. So it's taking a shit, taking a shower, shaving my face, trimming my body hair, uh, cleaning out the closets, doing dishes, all that kind of stuff. All right? So I know you're doing the exact same thing. I right? just wash, continue to wash the dishes first and then start commenting. Because otherwise your keyboard all got uh, ruined. Uh, all right. A lot of happy people for the 100K plaque. That one is sexy as hell. Yeah. Now I got to figure out where to put it. Am I going to put it on this side or this side? I'm not sure yet. Yeah. <laughs> Brett Lackey, 100,000 100, subs for talking about steroids. Dude, I still can't believe it. I mean, I started I started this YouTube channel, well, 2013, right? Just talking about my life in Thailand, but I, coaching took off. And then I, after doing some collaborations with Tony and him posting maybe 10% of the videos that we recorded, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do my own YouTube channel and just be transparent because the, the, everybody was talking about steroids at that point. So we started uh, really consistently uploading with the vigorous Q&A so I could get all my subscribers over from Instagram. Well, when did I start? Date. All right, the ones that are still live are from 2020, but I started about two years earlier. So let's say 2018. Yeah, yeah, right after the Bitcoin... Uh, yeah, because I needed to do something because the Bitcoin was going down and I needed to, you know, patiently wait for new investment opportunities. 
So I thought, you know, I'm going to start a YouTube channel in the meantime for the next bull run. Um, so yeah, summer 2018. Uh, so that's five years I've been talking about steroids. And uh, yeah, somehow I still didn't get banned. <laughs> Thank God. All right. So yeah, talking about steroids uh, brought a lot of opportunities to my life. Thanks, YouTube. Yeah, even though that took forever to... Uh, Took forever to get this 100,000 stubs, but I did it without fucking drama, okay? How many people can say that? How many people can say that they got to 100,000 subs without drama? Name one. Name one in our community, right? besides the athletes. Obviously, uh, you know, the athletes can get to 100,000 subs easily, uh, but I did it without drama, dude. Yeah, I'm the only educational channel that got there without drama. <laughs> so... Yeah, I think that's accomplishment in itself. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to bring a boatload of drama to the channel doing, you know, clickbait reaction videos going forward so I can get a million subs. Let's see. Oh, not to get fat on growth hormone. Uh, well, you control your calories. Yeah, growth hormone doesn't make you fat. So you get watery, but uh, you don't get fat. So control your calories and you'll be fine. Thank you very much, Iron Grid. Maybe I should buy myself another cat. But my wife keeps scrolling on those Sphinx uh, Instagram pages. And she's like, look at this one. And they're so cute, man. They're so cute, but I don't have time for more. <laughs> I get interrupted way too much already. Uh, yeah, uh, that's what, exactly what I tell people. Only way to get shit done. Yeah, by uh, multitasking, I guess. All right, let's do some, some more super chats. Uh, 24M. What is that? 24M. I don't know what that stands for. Uh, 450 milligrams testosterone. Oh, wait. Uh, 24M? Clarify. 450 milligrams total testosterone, 35 milligrams estradiol, a uh, very hourglass shape. Be the cause, or am I just fat and lazy? What is 24M? Is it stone or something? Uh, could that be the cause, or am I just lazy? SHBG is 16, insulin is 19, fasted, blood glucose 75, hourglass hips. I'm not entirely sure what you're asking. <laughs> really? Uh, this one I can't decipher, so please uh, specify. But if you feel fat... Um, Go to the gym and, and run it off. I mean, it, it, fat people are just lazy. End of story. I don't, I don't want to hear about I was just metabolically impaired. You can fix that too. Laziness is just, or fatness is just laziness, right? And I get fat too on holiday. I get it. But I get myself right back into shape after holiday, right? Now I'm in shape again. I got a six pack. I got shredded glutes or lines in my glutes. I got separated hamstrings. I don't even take anything. I take ACG and FSH and a little bit of growth hormone. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, just put in the fucking work. And I work way more than most people out there. I work 80 fucking hours a week and I still get it done. So please. Uh, specify what you mean, what your goals are, and so I can answer it. But most people are, that are fat are uh, just lazy. Really. Uh, Marcus, thyroid level, supplement T, 400 micrograms, 46 I use a growth hormone per day, 945 milligrams of testosterone per week, 700 milligrams of 
Uh, on Serum, uh, T4 is 27, uh, so that's over the reference range. Is that total or free? Uh, T3 is over the reference range. TSH 0 0.993. Uh, Are my levels okay? Uh, T3 is a little bit high, right? Ch what is your uh, um, resting heart rate? How's your sweating? Right? Do you feel flat all the time? Right, these things you have to look into. But if you're getting these results on 100 micrograms T4, uh, why don't we cut that in half to 50 micrograms? Easier, uh, you know, easy solution, right? If you cut your T4 to 50 micrograms, you keep your growth hormone test and master on the same, then technically um, your T4 and T3 should drop to close to half. I mean, your TSH is still somewhat elevated, so you're producing a decent amount of T4 yourself, which ultimately converts into T3. But I, I think you should... Um, you know, drop your T4 to 50 micrograms. And then check your blood work again in about two weeks or four weeks. Yeah, that should be okay. Now let's see which one, Mr. Take the shot. A lot of questions. All right, let me get to these super, uh, super chats first. 15 more minutes and then we're going to wrap it up. Uh, let's see. Fragrance man going with 2,500 grams and for 16 weeks. Vigorous Steve approved. Double thumbs up. Do you recommend taking it pre-workout or when is the best time? Yeah. So sublingually all pre-workout right underneath the tongue, maybe 20 minutes before you uh, start uh, pumping. So 30 minutes before you actually do your real sets should be enough time for that kind of dispersed throughout your body. And then 12.5 uh, milligrams morning and evening uh, can be oral or sublingual uh, on rest days. Yeah, so you split up the dose. But Anivar is one of those steroids that if you take it pre-workout, you get a little bit of uh, additional effect. I would take my 25... Man, I, I would fucking murder for 25 milligrams of Anivar. I mean, then again, you know, I mean, look at this, dude. Natty. What the hell? Look at the separation. Look at that. Imagine what 25 milligrams of Anivar would do. <laughs> yeah, so take it all pre-workout on workout days. John Meadows. Yeah, you're right. 100%. Yeah. John Meadows, rest in peace. He did it. He got to 500,000 subs. You are 100% correct. You are 100% correct. Yeah, I miss that guy. I never met him, but I wish I could, man. I think uh, at this point of my uh, follower, I would have uh, would have been able to get an audience with John Meadows if he was still alive. Fuck, man. Yeah, that was a good guy. Uh, guys, click the like button. We are at 120. Yeah, yeah it's okay, man. Just whatever. I'll send you pictures of the cats after the stream. They're too cute. Only sneezy from cat flu. Which cat flu? Is that uh, FIP? No, right? FIP is fucking deadly, dude. If if your cats get FIP, be fucking careful where you take your cats because the FIP, they usually get it from the shitty vets. Um, and if they, if they have a little bit of a sneeze issue, then look at the perfume. If you're using perfume in the house, throw it all out. We did that. I mean, I don't use fucking perfume. <laughs> I mean, I'm an old school man, you know. You can smell my sweat and get horny if you're a woman. Uh, I don't wear fucking perfume. 
but my wife did. And the perfume is not good for cats. They can get a little bit sneezy from that. And again, you know, you need to clean up more. So, you know, especially the younger, in the first couple of months, they're very sensitive. If they do well the first year, then after that, they're kind of indestructible. But the first year will be a lot of vet trips because uh, they're young, they get scared, they run around a lot. The immune system is all over the place. You're in a new environment, right? You and you take them away from the, you know, the 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 place where you got them from, the the fostering. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, make sure you take them to good vets because uh, my fir our first cat got fucking FIP from the vet. So that was very expensive medications to uh, get her over that. Yeah, now she's doing great though. Uh, let's see, Juice Box. Thanks, brother. We'll check out the Terzipidite. Okay, great. Uh, what are your thoughts on getting this from use uh, compounding pharmacies? Uh, I'm not sure if they still can. Yeah. I'm not sure if they still can. And some of the gray area peptide websites, if you contact them directly on uh, Instagram, they might have a link for you. But since the USA is so fucking paranoid about peptides and HCG uh, being marked as a biological and steroids in general under the current administration, which again is a fucking travesty that people voted for this guy. Um, and so hopefully the next round will be better. Yeah, if JFK uh, Jr. or what is this, what is this guy called? Uh, called <laughs> not JFK. Uh, shit, I don't even know. But that guy seems to be pre pro steroids, so maybe he can reverse some of this shit. Uh, so Terzepidite is going to be hard to source. I don't think that U.S. compounding pharmacies have it available. It's uh, only branded. I mean, this is the reasons why peptides are being banned, is because the Terzepidite, lyroglutide, semaglutide, etc., are being sold by uh, compounding pharmacies. And uh, and that's bypassing the the patents, which these medications are mad expensive, and of course, mad expensive medication manufacturers lobby hard. Yeah, never been on Reddit. Uh, no, no, I don't really go to Reddit. This is just as toxic as the bodybuilding forums. Uh, Niels Johnson, hamster Bart. 20 bucks, oh, 20 euros. Nice, thank you. Hey, coach, thanks for all the information you put out there. What are your thoughts on needless injection guns for sub-Q injection? Something like the Comfort In. <laughs> Looking into that. Dude, I think they puncture fucking holes into your body. I think Derek made a video about this. Derek made a video about this, um, about the injector guns. And they've been around for ages. And they, uh, so you would think a hypo spray from Star Trek, right? And would just shoot in, you know, at the atomic level and it would go sub Q and just uh, bypass the first couple of layers. But no, man, it, it, they shoot it like under pressure and create a fucking hole. So I would go with the uh, sub Q injections. Yeah, <laughs> I would go with that. These injector guns, no way. No way. No fucking way. Don't do it. uh where are we and how far did we go down jesus all right guys i missed uh, a couple it seems uh are you playing gta 6 in 2025 no man i don't have time <laughs> i don't have time i wasted way too much time i wasted way too much time on this uh, this latest zelda game and uh i don't know if i, I want to play skyrim uh the new one when it comes out obviously but besides that gta 6 i would love to but i don't have time um and i i have work and then i have wife time and cat time and then after that i need to sleep <laughs> that takes all my time it takes all my time all right scrolling down a little bit 
Uh, chrono, five days ketogenic diet, two days a week with carbs. Will this keep cholesterol levels normal? Well, it depends on what uh, cholesterol you get from your diet, right? Uh, dietary cholesterol doesn't affect um, the serum cholesterol levels. Okay, dude, go eat carnivore. Go eat a boatload of butter and beef and your cholesterol levels will be sky fucking high. So, uh, yeah, so if you do keto two days a week, that's fine. That's totally fine. It's... Uh, or five days a week, it's totally fine. Just it depends on your cholesterol intake. And if you're unsure about your cholesterol levels, that's why we have blood work. <laughs> you do your blood work, right? You take your total cholesterol, your triglycerides, your HDL, your LDL. And then if you're not happy with your uh, cholesterol levels, you make some dietary adjustments first. Take all the whole eggs out. Take all the, the fatty steak out, or at least reduce it. And then maybe uh, fulfill that with uh, fat sources that don't contain any cholesterol, like almonds, avocado, uh, olive oil, right? That kind of stuff, nut seeds. Um, and then take it from there, right? And otherwise, there's always uh, citrus bergamot, uh, fish oil, cardio, right? It sounds like a broken record. Yeah, RFK Jr., right? Yeah, that that uh, that might mean something good for the steroid community because that guy is clearly sauced. Brandon Mertz on testosterone and NFR. Want to go carnivore, but last time I did natty, my triglycerides went through the loof. Uh, why would that happen? And will it be worse on gear? Yes, it will certainly be worse on gear. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen a lot of uh, guys that claim to be uh, a drug-free um, carnivore guys, which obviously we're not. And not just, not just one guy, it's many guys of the carnivore crew that are taking steroids. And their triglycerides, HDL, oh, actually it's high, uh, HDL is high, but LDL is horrible, triglycerides horrible, total cholesterol levels are horrible. And uh, I'm sure they can find all kinds of scientific evidence to say that it's not great. Um, but based on the critical medical, medical current medical literature, I would say that that's not very sustainable. So I would proceed with caution. And yes, if you take Anivar and testosterone with carnivore, uh, your lipids will be worse. End of story. End of story. Uh, Arnold Classic predictions. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Let me go to IG in the meantime. Arnold Classic Predictions, uh, search, buys, and price, probably got a post on it. Let's see, what's the lineup? Okay, we have Bose, never heard of that guy. James Hollinshead, Samson Dowda, Akeem Williams, Antoine Valiant, uh shaban i can't even read it shaban something rafael brandau Mar marcelo de angeles uh guy de la rosa justin rodriguez Heidi chupan uh let's see andrew jacked and oh mosquera of course because he won the arnold classic amateur okay so um since heidi walked off stage and i don't see an official apology publicly or i haven't seen it yet a uh, second politics Sucks, but that's how it works. Samson Dada first. Hadi Chupan second. Uh, Andrew Jack third. Kim Williams maybe fourth, but he's probably going to show up out of shape. So I'll put James Hollingshead fourth. And then uh, Rafael Bondeo after that. And then it's a freak show and it, it you know depends on who shows up in shape. So, uh, yeah, it might, it might, I hope Hadi Chupan wins because, you know, based on the current ranking of the Mr. Olympia, he's, uh, of course, over Samson Dauda. But 
Samson Dari is making progress out of his ass and uh, he um, um, was a consummate professional all the way through the Mr. Olympia event. And unfortunately, uh, Heidi Chupan walked off stage and um, made a post about retirement, uh, which I don't think he redacted so far. So I could be mistaken. Right? Maybe he uh, sorted his shit out and made an apology to uh, other people at uh, Jesus. There are so many super stars, guys. Maybe he made an apology already. Uh, he could win, right? He could definitely win. I mean, he's one of the best. <laughs> but maybe uh, maybe he'll get second. And now let's see if he walk up, walks off stage again. Uh, David Alvarez, congrats on the sub. So I'm in the United States. I want to send my generic GH to a lab for testing. Who can you recommend? Uh, I don't really know anybody in the United States, but you can send it to Janoshik, which is in Romania, I think. Janoshik. Testing. Where is it? Oh, let me, yeah, Janoshik Analytical. Anyway, you have to contact them for an address because they have to manually clear. I'll put it here in the top description third link there you go save uh send it there and i will do all the testing for you i think it tests uh oh they, they're testing a lot of terzepidite and semaglutide Ooh. subitramine yeah they're testing uh growth hormone black tops tested by somebody tested like multiple files okay yeah so they do a uh, growth hormone testing Janoshik link down below I uh, was in contact with them for a while uh, I told them if they uh, I could you know send them a lot more business if they had a discount code but they were already overwhelmed so but nice guys man they uh, they were very cool in the email conversations I had a couple months ago William, 140 milligrams weekly every other day. My LH and FSH are shot. Just wondering what I can do to bring my balls back online. Would HCG be enough? How long can it be on HCG? Man, you must be new to the channel. Um, <laughs> let me link you a video down below. Where did my balls go? I'll teach you everything you need to know. It's... Uh... Let's see the, the the of the all the videos that I posted just now. It's the bottom one. I'll add in the titles after we're done. So basically, yes, you need ATG. Your LH and FSH levels are shot because exogenous testosterone, even at a low dose of 140 milligrams, will uh, negatively affect your hypothalamic pituitary testes axes, and um, you know your pituitary signaling to the testicles in the form of luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone shuts down. So you need to replace that with ATG. Or look into enclomiphene monotherapy, some or uh, enclomiphene co-therapy, which I don't think is sustainable because enclomiphene is a selective estrogen receptor modulator, and I don't think people should be using that for longer periods of time, which I do include in the video that I just linked. So watch the video, uh, the cure for tiny nuts and loads on cycle. It's 19 minutes. It will teach you everything you need to know, and then so. Yeah. And then so. uh r and r rest and relaxation is it okay to use hcg five months after its expiration date yeah man yeah it's no problem if you stored it in the fridge you kept it in a cold dark spot i don't think it's a problem at all i would use it man i have androgel in the in my steroid drawer that's like expired for eight years i still fucking use it if i wanted to use it you know you feel naughty and you take a little bit of androgel i cannot now but you know back in the day i still i could think of like three or four boxes um 
three or four boxes. So at one point I'll get through them. I might be 50 or something. <laughs> Dude, I had so much more because it was already expired. And then the pharmacy called me, right? My my favorite pharmacy here, Almond Mon. Uh, you know, bless their hearts for supporting me. Uh, I call, They called me up, said, Steve, I have like a whole box of expired Anadrol. I said, okay, I'll take 10. <laughs> How much do I pay? I, thought, I got it for like $5 or something. <laughs> <laughs> they got it or ten dollars or something they just want to get rid of it and so i take 10 pieces and i gave like a couple away to the powerlifters here they were super happy right and and there was a powerlifting convention last weekend and they used some of the expired anadrol from you know a long time ago and uh they said yeah i asked him does it still work i said dude i won every fucking class <laughs> still works yeah so and i keep it in my stir drawer that's definitely not cold you know all the time it fluctuates but with hcg it's a peptide it's a little bit more fragile so long story short if you kept it in the fridge for five months uh use it and shut the fuck up it will still work but they have to put in uh you know an expiration date because it's a pharmaceutical product and they have to uh, amend by the rules D3, is there a difference on how you feel with the same testosterone levels if one is due uh, to HCG versus if one is using HCG versus TRT? All my uh, else being equal, is there a difference? Okay, so with HCG monotherapy, your testosterone levels fluctuate. And with TRT, it's stable, right? Because you have an injection depot and an ester. So even though you have an injection depot with HCG, it kind of peaks and then starts to taper off quite fast. And you don't do ATG every day, you do it every other day. So, uh, or three times a week, right? Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's what I do. So with TRT, of course you can do three injections per week also, but it seems that even if serum testosterone levels in the morning are let's say at 700, uh, I would say that you get a little bit more results on TRT versus HCG. Uh, that's why, you know, on ATG monotherapy with FSH alongside of that and growth hormone, my testosterone levels are about six, 700. And I think if I replace the ATG for testosterone replacement therapy and I get six, 700, I would get better results. Yeah, I would say so. Predictions for Arnold classic physique. Oh, all right. Here we go again. Wesley in the top three. I fucking hope so. I fucking hope so. I should contact him because we should do a podcast again um eyes and tries what is the classic physique lineup buys and tries doesn't have the classic physique lineup guys now i gotta go to bodybuilding without borders bodybuilding bodybuilding and bullshit shit nick tragilli is still <laughs> 130,000 followers on Instagram. But it's drama, so it doesn't count. All right, what does uh, Bodybuilding with Borders say? Fuck, do I have to go to the Arnold Classic website? Arnold Classic 2004 lineup. Uh, Arnold Sports Festival, is it there? Guys, where can I find the fucking lineup for uh, the Classic Physique? Oh, Nick Walker is not competing. Uh-oh. Uh, stop. All right, classic physique. Uh, Brian Ansley, Eric Brown, Michael the Bull, okay. Uh, Darren Farrell, Joris Kalsinski, okay. That's the highest ranking one. Then after that, Brian Ansley so far. 
Antoine Loth, never heard of it. Courage Opara, I thought he quit. I thought Courage Opara quit competing. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Ramon Rocha Quiris, so that's Ramon Dino, right? So he will be first or second, Brian third. Uh, but Terrence Larfin might move up. So no, I don't think that Wesley will crack the top. He might be fifth. Let's see, Ramon Dino first, Earth second, Brian third, Terrence Ruffin fourth, Wesley fifth. But Michael the Bull is also very good. So Wesley, don't fucking disappoint. Then still, out of all those guys, I would rather look like Earth or uh, Wesley. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, Ramon Dino looks pretty freaky also. I'll give him that. uh let's see all right let's wrap it up no more super chats uh would why would mononucleotide and caffeine cause heart flutter uh that i'm not sure uh heart flutters can be caused by many different things right electrolyte imbalance uh taurine deficiency um inflammation you know, besides taking caffeine, uh, taking too many other stimulants, right? Training to failure all the time, which is where I got my heart flutters from. I mean, I would just fucking train insane to failure every fucking set because I love training like that. Uh, and then even with taurine, ubiquinol, and electrolyte intake, I would still get heart flutters. So, and of course, I would take a little bit of caffeine and stimulants and that kind of stuff. So uh, maybe train less hard for a while, let your heart kind of calm down and recover. Taurine, 5,000 milligrams per day, maybe 10,000 for you know per day for like a week or two to kind of replenish the taurine deficiency that might be there look into your um electrolyte intake magnesium calcium i have videos on that and take the caffeine uh, out and nicotinamide mononucleotide out until it's fixed and then reintroduce what you feel is more beneficial nmn or caffeine all right so slow and steady put that in yasil i think steve didn't understand d3's question really Is there a difference in how you feel with same levels of testosterone if one is due to HCG versus TRT? No, that's exactly how I answered it. All else equal, is there a preference? Uh, regarding how you feel, I would say that if everything is equal, if serum testosterone levels are exactly the same, I would think that TRT levels or TRT is more beneficial than HCG uh, when it comes to gains, but maybe for libido, HCG would be better. All right, I hope I answered it better now. All right, let's close it off, guys. Elon, I said no more super chats. Are you fucking deaf? I'll still answer it, though. Uh, is there something to worry about? The next super chat I want to fucking answer, okay? I, I got to call, uh, uh, throw in the towel. Is there something to worry about? Um, is this something to worry about? 47 years old, in good shape, cholesterol 7.3. Oh, fuck, is it animals? Oh, fucking hell, man. Animal. This 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 fucking retard reference range of end moles. You would you would think in a medical community to have some fucking standards, you know? But no. You live here, it's it's uh, pounds. You live there, it's it's uh, kilograms. All right, seven point three, two hundred eighty. Yeah, that's a fucking problem. Yeah, triglyceride zero point eight four. All right, so is that nine moles? God, I have to do all the fucking calculation. 74, no, that's fine. HDL cholesterol 1.17, I think that's fine. Yeah, that's okay. And on HDL is 
Uh, LDL cholesterol is 5.7. Not uh, 5.7. Yeah, dude, you got a you got a fucking problem, man. Um, you're 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 like 50% out of the reference range on your total cholesterol and and 200% out of the reference range on your LDL. So, uh, azetamide, daily fasted cardio, fish oil, citrus bergamot eating a lot better and when I say eating a lot better I mean a lot a lot a lot better because your your cholesterol levels don't look like this if you eat healthy unless you do a carnivore diet and even if you do a carnivore diet I think still it's it's pretty fucking bad so yes I would be worried about that when I saw my cholesterol levels like that after a month of carnivore I threw in the towel so um get it fixed schedule an ultrasound on your heart a CT scan with contrast for a CAC score. I don't know how long it's been going on, but with these levels, you're a candidate to uh, do a cardiac imaging and, and check if you have a plaque buildup. So I, I don't I don't mean to alarm you, Elon, but uh, yes, it is alarming. Yeah, uh, please get it fixed. All right, and that on a lighter, no, it, it doesn't mean he needs a statin. He just needs to get it fixed, right? If, he, if it's uh, cholesterol, um, if you can fix it with diet, and if his CAC, CAC score is zero, he doesn't need a statin, all right? But he doesn't need to get it fixed, all right? So Elon, next week, you got some homework to do. Kale Cook, how much is a consultation? Uh, check out my website, vigorsteve.com slash consultations. Depends if you want 20 minutes, 40 minutes, or one hour. One hour is $1,620. I hate to do it, but it's due to the demand. <laughs> I get so many consultations still. At one point, it will be like $2,500. If it, if it keeps going with the demand it is going at right now, because I don't, I don't know where all these people are coming from, but everybody seems to want to talk to me. So, and I can only do so many, right? That's why we have the vigorous Q and a where for a small, uh, cost of $10 per month, you can ask unlimited questions and otherwise you super chat. And as you can see from this vigorous Q and a, the super chats are plenty. So I try to answer as many uh, member questions and super chat questions as possible. And then after that, I answer uh, questions that I uh, are not highlighted. Okay, guys, do yourself a favor. Go back to the beginning of this video. I have a couple of announcements there about the future of the Vickers Q&A regarding membership options, about upcoming videos, and um, uh, putting uh, a little bit of a fork into the membership sites because I think it's better to grow this YouTube channel first uh, instead of... Uh, for a little bit of monetary incentive grow a membership section where i don't think too many people are going to subscribe based on the members we have now the market analysis and other membership websites that i've researched based on their website traffic and uh the demand for deep dives so uh that also means that a lot of more free content is going to come so you shouldn't complain free content is going to be a plenty right everybody loves free shit. Okay, guys, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you in next week's vigorous Q&A. Uh, I hope everything was, uh, you know, beautifully audio set up. I hope it didn't hit the mic many, many times. Enjoy your fucking weekend. I'd give a couple pumps for vigorous Steve. And uh, we'll see you in the next vigorous Q&A, okay? And behave until then. And when that anabolics to androgenic uh, uh, ratio deep dive video uh, drops, 56 minutes, Maybe 57 by the time we're done with it. Watch it all the way to the end. I put my fucking heart and soul into it. My editor worked an entire week on that video. So that means that uh, he's, I spent more. I, uh, let's just put it this way. I spent more than $1,000 just on the editing <laughs> for that video. So you guys better fucking watch it. All right.
give me give me twenty five thousand views. Share it with all your bro friends. I mean, I put my heart and soul into it. All right, so uh, take it easy, and I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, peace out. Uh, have a nice weekend.